Hello everybody and welcome to Fresh Cuts. Welcome back. I know it's 2023, but we have some unfinished business from 2022. And that's the show you're going to be hearing today. Yes, it's our top 10 of 2022. So let me introduce my usual co-hosts here, uh, starting with Mr. Venom. What's up, Venom? How are you? Greetings and salutations, statisticians. Yeah, I'm doing pretty well. I kind of felt like a statistician the last couple of weeks being all meticulous with the scores on these movies, but I'm finally at the point where I'm comfortable with the top 10, so I'm ready to go. All right. Uh, Also joining us as well, it's Donna Nelly. How are you doing, Don? Yeah, always great to be here and uh, odd to be a uh, co-host on a uh, list countdown, but uh, I I got over that last year, so let's get on with it this year. So. Says the guy who All has right. a horror countdown podcast. Well, that was the joke, but I think he was. I think it was some irony. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for explaining the joke. I was trying to be vague about. Hey, it, hey! So. Some of our listeners are slow. You know. Yeah, true. <laughs> <laughs> or they're like, Don, tell me about this countdown show, which he will later. <laughs> All yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, so no specific movie, of course, no synopsis uh, necessary to go through, but because we're doing our list show, maybe we can open it up before we get to our picks, uh, just maybe if you have any general thoughts on the year that was 2022, so Venom, I'll kick it to you. We don't have to like have a long conversation, but do you just have any general kind of feelings about how the year went for her? From top to bottom, I do feel that it was a slightly weaker year, but... On the top end, there were multiple movies this year that brought me joy like no films have recently. I look back at, this is my sixth year of podcasting, I went back and looked at all of my top ten lists, and the movies like at the top three to five of my list this year are, are movies that just brought me so much joy that I absolutely absolutely love watching be it in a guilty pleasure sense or not or or just be quality filmmaking whatever the reason is but yeah i would say overall i agree with the community saying that you know it was a slightly weaker year from top to bottom but at the top i feel like the cream at the top this year was uh, a lot frothier than in past years yeah uh, i totally understand that, that seems to be because i've listened to like a handful top 10 shows or just best of shows and that seems to be the general uh general feelings uh don how about you anything to add to that or a difference of opinion uh i i'm kind of a little on the other end um i i I kind of feel like this was maybe better than 2021 but uh in, in comparison to like 2019 or um even 2020 i feel like um, well, my list this year uh, is going to be vastly different because, um, as we'll explain later on, mine is not a true overall um, based on my other show. Um, I will save that for then. But uh, my list uh, will be exclusive Fresh Cuts only films. So out of the 50-some-odd episodes we had, that's the available crop of films I chose and made eligible for the list. So... I, I, I can't say I really hated too much. Um, uh, there was, you know, like a, again, just a couple clunkers, but I, I, I felt like there was um, a solid crop of films that were, you know, like the the six to eight out of ten range, where they're not aggressively bad, but they're not like you know impressively spectacular either. They're kind of like on the average, and then there was maybe just a couple that were a little bit higher, but. 
Yeah, in, in terms of like an overall year, I'd probably say like the average was maybe just like a little bit higher than 2021. But I, I think 2021, I, I think the heavy hitters in 2021 were just a tad bit better. Um, comparable, maybe, but I, I, I think the um, like the second bracket is a little deeper. Yeah, 2021 had, a, I think, a couple more that hit a little harder. But I, I think the um, the middle crop of films, the, the you know the the average to you know, I, I liked it, but I'm not going to like aggressively recommend it kind of a film. I think 2022 did a better job of that, and I think uh, the fact that this was kind of like the the start of getting back to normalcy after uh, the pandemic, and you're starting to see you know a bigger scope of films, and you're starting to see like a, a little bit more like traditional style and filmmaking techniques you know techniques being done where you're not getting like you know people doing their stuff in quarantine or like you know isolated kind of film shoots that you know we saw a lot in 2020 and uh, early 2021 I, I think that kind of plays a big part of this where you're going to get like a little bit more sense of regularity and normalcy to these kinds of films so i'm excited to see where that goes but yeah on the whole i i think the middle tier is a little stronger than in past years, but I think the harder hitting ones from 2020 and 2021 were just a little bit better than the hard hitting ones of 2022. Okay, yeah. So for me, uh, I think I'm out of what we've heard so far. I think I'm probably a little closer to what Venom said because when I look at my list, it's almost like I have a one through five, and then I have what could be like a six through fifteen because. Like I had, I had tougher times filling out the second half of my list and I really had to like get down to some details about like, well, why is this one a nine or not a nine, but like nine or 10 on my list as opposed to an honorable mention and vice versa. Like there was some struggle there with, um, and you know, once we get to our picks and honorable mentions, like I'll, I'll bring it up more too, but I, I was just, you know, the the way I put together my list, I was just like, man, like some of these are really close where I could justify like swapping some. Um, but, you know, as it is, I ended up with uh, a list that I'm I'm happy with. I do think overall, you know, I, I think the, re- the year kind of rebounded in the second half. I, I will say that one thing that was kind of different for me this year is I feel like theatrical releases were pretty successful for me this year where I didn't have as many like late year VOD discoveries. Not that I wasn't watching stuff on VOD, but I didn't have a ton of stuff jump out to me like, Whoa, where did this come from? Why had I not seen or heard of it? Now, I don't know if that's because I did a better job of keeping up on stuff throughout the year, or if there just wasn't that quality there that I'm used to seeing, um, and and maybe it was just or like Don said, maybe there was like a rebound. Well, I don't know if he specifically meant rebound with theatrical, but to me it seemed like I I had like in, uh, a lot of enjoyment out of what I saw in the theater this year. Um, yeah, so. that was uh, my, that was my point. Was that I was uh, I I sorry if I didn't make that clear, but yeah, I was referring to the theatrical releases because they felt a little bigger and a little bit more grander than what we got in the theaters from like the last two years. That that was my point when I was saying. So mm-hmm. I, if I didn't mention that, uh, maybe I was just rambling and trying to get the thoughts out of my head. But that was the the intention of what my what I was saying when I meant when I was uh, talking about that. Okay, yeah, that, that makes total sense. Um, 
maybe you did and I just didn't hear the word theatrical, but either way, it's all clarified now, so I think we're all kind of on a similar page with that. But uh, Venom, anything else, any other housekeeping we need to do before we get into our list? I think that pretty much covers it. Hmm. I was I was kind of surprised this year, because this doesn't happen most years. I was very surprised how much my top 10 changed with my end of the year rewatches this year. Um, usually I have like a preliminary top 10 with like maybe half a dozen to a dozen honorable mentions that potentially could be list worthy. And then I go ahead and rewatch all of them. Uh, literally a movie that wasn't even in my top 10 when I started my rewatches is now my number two film of 2022. Wow. And that really, I mean, it just then. shocked me. Yeah. So can I we was... start with our number twos? <laughs> <laughs> and then my number 10 pick, which, uh, I, I kind of, uh, spoiled for you guys when I asked the question the other day is completely off my list now. It fell off completely and it's unfortunate because he's one of my favorite directors, but, We'll get into that when we get into it. Wow. Uh-huh. Mm. Oh, and then one last thing. Uh, I legitimately have a movie on my list that a lot of people might say is not horror, that belongs in another genre. And ultimately, the only reply I could say is, fuck you, this is my list. And I have always considered monster movies as horror, uh, be it Godzilla, Gamera, you know, uh, kaiju movies in general, um, what do you call it? Just giant creatures in general, King Kong, um, whatever the case may be. I have always considered those films horror. So if you don't consider those horror, that's fine to each his own. But but since I have always looked at the giant monster movie as a, a subgenre of horror, uh, I have one on my list this year and I unapologetically have it on my list because I absolutely love the film. Yeah, I mean, I think... Well, I mean, for me personally, I think the line's close enough to where I I would never argue it if people want to put those movies on. Because I think there's plenty that I would probably put on there, too. Sure, sure. I mean, I don't know that I would ever put something like a Godzilla King of the Monsters in my top ten horror list. Because I yeah, understand sure. the grandeur. You know, it, it's going for more of a roller coaster ride type uh, experience. Um, but sometimes a creature feature can actually... You know, tell a great story, tug at the heartstrings, have a lot of meaning and subtext. And, you know, like I said, some might not consider it horror, but I absolutely do. So, yeah, I, I agree. There, There's like some monster movies that go out of their way not to be like horror in tone. But exactly. but a lot of them I definitely would consider horror uh, enough to like include on a list. So, yeah, I'm I'm, I'm there with you on that. Nice. Cool. Uh, well, are we ready to get on our list, gentlemen? And well, we're going to do, what, 10 through 2 and then honorable mention? Is that how we've been doing it the other years, I think? I like it. All right. Cool. I don't care. Or, oh, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I don't care. <laughs> Don's the voice of reason. I don't care. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll just stick with that because that's what we've done in previous years. And if uh, – if we ever were going to change it, it would probably not to not be good to do it on the fly. So we'll just stick with that format. Um, so with that, let's get into it. And uh, we always kick it to Venom first for everything. So why not kick it to him first for his number 10 pick? Oh, I thought you were going to change it up. I'm like, oh, he's going to go to Don first. Nice. Okay. No, that's fine. Um, well, we might as well start with me at number 10 because we're going to go ahead and talk about the movie that I just mentioned. Yes, monster movies, you know, a lot of people may not consider them true horror 
For my money, if a 300-foot-tall monster is marauding through my hometown, I'm going to say that's not a fucking comedy last time I checked. So that's horror to me. So number 10 is a film that Don and myself actually reviewed on our show, Creature Comforts. Uh, We did not get a chance to look at it here at Fresh Cuts. And that, of course, is the Netflix release of Troll. Troll coming to us, I believe, from Finland, if I remember correctly. Norway. Norway, thank you. Norway. Uh, just, oh, I absolutely adore this film. I love this backstory. Um, there are references to the Hall of the Mountain King in this movie that I am both a fan of the, uh, the you know, the classic story and of the great heavy metal album from Sabotage. So this movie spoke to me in a lot of ways. For, for a, a movie from Norway, something that's not getting a lot of fanfare here in America, it has spectacular effects. I absolutely adore the effects here. Um, there are some wonderfully written scenes, some great fleshed out characters, um, you know, even characters that generally you would dislike in movies like this, like the, you know, the, the archetypal uh, characters that we tend to get. Uh, even in this film, they are somewhat likable. And, and even, you know, the one piece of shit in the movie, you know, every movie has to have at least one piece of shit. So, yeah, that, you know, I can accept that. But like I said, between the human performances, between the effects, between the overall story and between and then a very satisfying conclusion. My number 10 of 2022 is Troll. Yeah, you know my thoughts on this one. Uh, I'm right there with you. I had a ton of fun with it. Uh, the, the spectacle sequences with the monster are fantastic. Love the human drama interplay here. There's like three pretty decent storylines that we get here with, uh, mm-hmm. you know, you know her relationship with her father, the you know military's quest to stop it, and then you know you get the the backstory with the creature that you know intertwines everything and brings them all together. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I don't really remember too many things that were really bad about it. Um, I I mean, the the first early attacks are fun, sets Mm -hmm. everything up in motion really well. You get a great, you know, first sequence where the monster appears at the amusement park. Yeah, like I said, I I was really impressed with it, and I had a lot of fun with it as well. Um, Like, you know, I I don't know if I would have even put it on my list if it was eligible anyways, but yeah, I I absolutely love it. So yeah, I'm I'm definitely on board with uh, where that one is. Yeah, I I did see this one too on Netflix and I I enjoyed it. I I liked the way that even though it was uh, a troll movie from like, you said uh, Netherlands? Norway. Norway. I thought it played like almost like a traditional monster movie in a lot of ways. Uh, and I just like the characters. Um, I like the creature design. I thought it was all around fun movie as well. And I think I can't remember if I actually asked you guys or if it was mentioned previously that, uh, you were already going to do it on Creature Converse because I definitely would have been down to do it on Fresh Cut. Yeah, yeah, you actually, yeah, you, you, you came did. to me and asked if we if we were going to do Troll, and I told you we already had plans for uh, for Creature Comfort, so we ended up going with a different movie that that week. Okay, cool. Yeah, that makes sense then. Mm-hmm. All right, next up, Don with your number ten. All right, well, uh, kind of fitting that Venom's number 10 is kind of one that's not really horror, and uh, my number 10 is one that's not really kind of horror. 
Um, since this one is, uh, you know, uh, my list is based exclusively on selections covered during Fresh Cuts, that made me consider uh, my number 10 to be Come See For Me. Uh, I had a fun time with this one. I, I love the setup here. The mansion house where this all takes place looks immaculate. I, I love the atmosphere here with, you know, her being led around the house by the app inside, you know, the app on her phone and, you know, the, the guiding voice that uh, puts everything in motion. And I, I always remember the fact that everything we brought up in this film was just that the only flaw we had with it was it's not a horror film. And that's kind of one of the, the only real drawbacks to it is that it's not a horror film. And yeah, uh, I, I had fun with it. It's a great pace. There's a, a great setup here, like I said, you know, with uh, the house and all the, you know, the intruders coming in trying to, you know, look for their, their you know, loots, which I'm not going to reveal. But yeah, underrated. I had a lot of fun with it. Um, it's strictly a thriller. It's not horror at all, but uh, because this is a... You know, a topic that we covered on the show and uh, one that makes it eligible for my list. Uh, my number 10 is C for me. Nice. Yeah, I, I enjoyed that movie. I, I really did enjoy it. I thought it was very clever, the whole thing with the app and, you know, having the uh, the uh, operator, the app operator kind of guiding our, you know, blind protagonist through the house and the property around the house. I thought that was all very clever. Um, you're kind of right. The only real issue I have with it is just that it's truly not a horror film. It is a home invasion film, which generally those fall under horror. But since technically the home invasion was for a theft and even though violence did ensue, it didn't, it never really felt to me like horror violence, but ultimately yeah. I absolutely, I, I agree with the pick. Absolutely. It, it is a very strong movie. One of the stronger films we did this year, um, a little slower pace for me, for my personal taste. Um, yeah. I would like to kind see of one, a little bit the, more action. Uh-huh. Yeah, kind of one of the things why it's number ten on my list, not a little higher. There you go. Because <laughs> yeah, it really could have been uh, it could have been a lot higher if it would have been just a little bit zippier. But yeah, as it stands, it's pretty underrated, underrated and uh, definitely worth a watch. Even if you're not necessarily yeah. the the thriller watcher, if you know you're strictly horror like I am, uh, it's still worth a watch. So. Yeah, um, I remember this movie from earlier. Yeah, of course. Uh, and Our I thought first it was movie. yeah, Our first I know. Of 2022. <laughs> way back in the way back machine of early 2022. Um, yeah, I thought it was pretty cleverly done. And I, 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 some of the details escape me, but I think I'm along the lines with Venom as far as his thoughts on it. Um, but all right, um, I will get to my number ten now. And uh, this is the movie I probably don't have to say a lot about because I'm sure everyone's familiar with it. Um, I actually kind of wrestled with this one because, as you'll know, as soon as I say what it is, this movie has a heavy attachment to another movie that will be in my honorable mentions. And I was kind of going back and forth about which one should be 10 and which one should be honorable mention. But I went with the movie I personally liked better versus just this singular performance that I thought was like breakthrough awesome. And if that doesn't tip you off enough, what my number 10 is, that would be X. Um, so I, this, this kind of like returned uh, the fun to the theater with this, this style of movie. I know it's often be been referred to as like the best, <laughs> one of the best Texas Chainsaw Massacre sequels that isn't a Texas Chainsaw Massacre sequel. That's mostly in like, um, obviously the setting 
Um, this movie just feels, uh, you know, humid and nasty and gross, kind of like the way the first Texas Chainsaw Massacre did, at least. Um, mm-hmm. And, I, you know, I, I like the story. I thought the characters were likable. I, I liked how it played out. Um, and, of course, well, little did we know, it was setting up a prequel and a sequel to be part of the trilogy, which we have two parts out now. Um so, I mean, that also kind of gives away what one of my honorable mentions is, but that's not that big yeah. a deal. And, you know, I, I just had a ton of fun with this. And, you know, it, it had a lot going on in it for it to be a theatrical release. You know, nothing – it's not It's not that there was anything in it that would shock us particularly, but maybe general audiences, maybe the content was like, well, they're – they're going for it here but uh yeah x um i don't know if you guys want to say anything about it but you know we're all familiar with it so yeah i i actually do have a lot to say about it x was my number 10 when we started uh our rewatches you know at the end of december Mm -hmm. uh unfortunately on this watch i found myself having a lot more issues with the film i thought the pacing was not great Nothing even remotely horrific happens for the first 45 minutes of an hour and 45 minute long movie. That's a little bit much to wait, um, especially from a Ty West movie, you know, and this this is what I was talking about earlier, folks. This is the movie that one of the films that fell off my top 10 after the rewatches. And despite, you know, Ty West being one of my favorite directors, um, I, I I agree with a lot of the accolades that people are throwing towards X. It does look gorgeous. I mean, it, it it looks legitimately like it was filmed in the 70s, and I'll give Ty West all the credit in the world for that. I think the performances are fine. I don't necessarily dislike any of the performances uh, in the film. Um, I may be one of the few people that would agree with this statement, but I like Pearl in X much more than I like Pearl in Pearl. Um, for whatever. And and if you want to know why, go back to the original Fresh Cuts review of Pearl, where I you know basically said it was the most vanilla serial, uh, not serial killer, but uh, the most vanilla psychopath I've ever seen in my life. And, you know, I'm not going to expand on that here, but I, I still will admit it is a great film. It looks gorgeous. There are some great performances. I do wish the kills went a little bit more over the top. Um, the first kill in the film was great. The, the practical decapitation on the, uh, the cameraman sound guy, uh, combination there. Um, some of the other kills were okay. Like, you know, they could have been a lot better. I thought the barn kill could have been better. I thought the alligator kill could have been better, things like that. But I, I still, you know, I mean, the movie is still an honorable mention for me regardless. It is still easily in my top 15, but unfortunately, like I said, between my rewatches, this came down a little and a few other films came up a little. So, you know, off goes X. <laughs> I will talk about it at a later time. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, you're going to hear a lot of similar things from me just through my six through 10, because I kind of mentioned in the opening that I feel like this is just one of those years for me for like all these moves I'm going to name off to begin with. It's like, Yes, they're on my list, but also I could I could easily see why not only they wouldn't be on someone else's list, but maybe not even mine if I had to redo it in six months, you know, just because it's that kind of year with I, I felt like a bunch of movie, a bunch of movies were like occupying kind of that same space on how much I liked it or not. Right. So. <laughs> so with that said, tens are out of the way, so we will jump right to nine. Uh, Venom, tell us your number nine pick. 
All right, my number nine is the first of only four films that played in cinemas that that got a nationwide release anyway. One of the films on my list I saw in theaters, but it was one of those New York and L.A. releases, so I won't count that. But number nine is one of the films that came out in theaters. It came out in September, just before Halloween. It pretty much owned the uh, the horror dollars that were going into the cinema for the entire month of September up until, you know, we got some big releases in October. And that is, of course, Barbarian. Barbarian is my number nine. This is one where I enjoyed the story. I enjoyed the kills. I enjoyed the effects. I did have a problem. My biggest problem with this movie, which I know is a lot of people's problems with this movie, is the characters. Um, Just character decisions in this movie are just ridiculous. Just absolutely ridiculous. I mean, this, you know, we get our main character of Tess. And, you know, when she first gets to the home and, you know, she's kind of acting... I wouldn't say tough, but like she can handle herself, blah, blah, blah. And then later she makes decisions in the film that completely don't track with what was set up early in the film. And that really bothers me. She's not the only one making terrible decisions throughout the film, but um, it's just one of those things that I I, I can't forgive it. I want to be able to forgive it because ultimately it's a good story with a satisfying ending, great effects, great kills. Um, but I just can't forgive the stupidity of some of the characters in the movie. So I did bump its overall rating because of that, but due to the strength of the rest of the film, it is still my number nine of 2022. I will talk about that at a later point. (laughs) Maybe I will. Maybe I won't. I'll leave you all in suspense. (laughs) We know what that means. There's just no suspense. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Don, what do you got for number nine? All right. um, Well, my number nine is uh, one that uh, I, I I wanted to like this one more than I did, but uh, it kind of suffered from uh, some timing issues. And um, I I think we mentioned this uh, at the the time that it came out, that uh, this was um, a perfectly serviceable film that uh, two of us on the show uh, knew more than well uh, what was coming up around the bend when uh, we did the episode and that uh, the film that we were due to cover the following week was uh, the superior of the bunch. But um, at this point in time, my number nine is Virus 32. The... um, Uruguayan Argentine uh, zombie co- uh, collaboration. Um, those of you who know me know that uh, I love my zombies, and uh, it's kind of hard for me to uh, look past one of the films uh, films in that genre. And uh, what we got here was a lot of fun. Um, I, I love the setup with the. And, you know, every dealing with all of the, you know, the chaos that emerges when the creatures start attacking. We get a, a fun little setup with, uh, you know, the mother taking her daughter around the place where she works and trying to, uh, you know, show her around while we see the signs of the invasion just creeping up around the edges, but the, they're, you know, just inadvertently missing everything just at the wrong moment. The attacks here are vicious and fun. There's a lot of, you know, great uh, swarming encounter sequences um the pool sequence is just fantastic i love the the entire setup that goes on there the only thing with this one was that uh it, it kind of got gets overshadowed because uh at the time me and venom knew fully well what was coming up around the corner and what came up what was coming up was a uh, far but uh 
we'll cross that bridge when we get there. So uh, my number nine is Virus 32. Yeah, I I didn't dislike this film, but because I had already seen my number one of the year, it did kind of pale in comparison. I mean, it's so there are so many similarities. The, you know, the whole core thing with the time, um, the you know, the whole thirty two seconds, that's fine. I, I I I thought that was kind of original, kind of cool, kind of different. I can accept that. But the similarities of this movie to my number one just really, really bothered me. And especially because to think about the time of release, the fact that, you know, Virus 32 was released a a year, if not more, after my number one. And it it just felt too much. I I hate to use the word ripoff because ultimately originality is dead in Hollywood. So I'm not necessarily... Um, bitching about that but just the the proximity the fact that I had just seen a movie and then like a week later I see another movie that has almost the same footpath to its end and it's like yeah and the other one did it better too so it's kind of hard for me but I did enjoy the film overall yeah it's a fun film I agree with Don yeah well, it's like I was saying, I mean, you and I knew what was coming up around the corner. Um, I don't I wasn't sure if Mike did at the time, but because you and I knew what was coming up and we knew that that one was going to do it far better. It, it takes a little of the sting out of this one, which is like I said, I wanted to like this more. But uh, because of the time of release and the unfortunate coincidences that surrounded that, it does take a little of the sting out of this one. And uh, yeah, I, I probably could have rated this one just not necessarily higher, but I, I probably wouldn't have minded bumping it up a few slots. But yeah, as it stands, I think the biggest thing is that it just it, it feels like a pale limitation at just the wrong time. So, but uh, yeah, my uh, number nine is Virus Thirty Two. All right, um, my number nine. All right, so this is one we did not do on Fresh Cuts. I think. It was just a victim of timing for when it got released. And I actually kind of didn't watch it right away when it dropped. This went to Shudder, and I think it was there like a good month or so. Just because it was something that released in the midst of other releases, didn't have time. It kind of got, not forgotten about, but just other priorities kind of took over it. And when I finally did sit down and watch it, I was like, whoa, like, why... Why had I not heard more people talking about it? I think the, strangely enough, the one person that I talked to it a little bit about was uh, Lacey, Lacey Lou. Like, and it just seems like a random movie too, because it's 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 not like this is like a slasher or anything that I would expect her to watch out of like a top priority. It just happened to be a coincidence. Um, this movie's, it's dark, it's grim. There's not much redemption for the characters. Uh, so it's definitely like you maybe got to be in the mood for that type of movie, but man, I, I thought, uh, the strength in the story was there. I thought, uh, the characters were well-written. I liked how the story went and I liked the themes of it, which were basically like generational trauma in families, how, you know, motions set up, uh, by parents or grandparents can, um, follow the family through, generations uh there's also uh, a decently i i i would say yeah he, he's definitely familiar i don't know what tier of you know uh, fame you would put the actor on but he's definitely known by most people um but i'll just get to it this is uh what josiah saw or josiah or whatever um 
and the actor uh robert patrick you know liquid terminator t1000 from t2 probably his most famous thing uh he's also in fire in the sky and he you know he's been in various things for the years but yeah this I'm, I'm looking over my list and this might be the biggest surprise that snuck onto my list like i did really like it when i saw it but i didn't necessarily think list but then you start writing down everything that you like and you start constructing and you're like wow i i did like it that much i thought it was really good and uh i'm assuming people have seen it but i still even to this day i haven't heard many people talk about it. um and we didn't do it on fresh cut so i don't even know if you guys have seen it or what your thoughts even on it are i fucking but, hate this movie Ooh. well okay. it is not on don's top 10 so there's no <laughs> uh, suspense there um i'm but, i'm in between the both of you i don't love or hate this movie i thought it was fairly well made i thought the performances were really well done um you know decent score decent cinematography like nothing about the film is exceptional Though I will agree with, uh, you know, Mike's assessment of it being a very bleak film. Um, but ultimately, it just fell a little short. Like, it would probably be, if we did a top 20, it would probably be up there. But uh, for me personally, it didn't, it kind of didn't speak to me as loudly as it did others. So, yeah, still a good film, though. Now, I want to hear Don's opinion now. <laughs> <laughs> Two hours Let of madness. Two hours of blandness. Three out of the four stories aren't even horror. I'm tired of the horror story section in here that gets brought up. I didn't care for anybody in this film, and fuck this shit. I want to be happy. I'm tired of this bleak crap. I I tolerated it in Dark and the Wicked because that was a fun film. I want my fun time. That's valid. Hey, sometimes you have to be in the right mood for a film. Sometimes you're just not in the mood for you know, a, a particular film's tone, you know? Yeah, there's a lot of films that I love that I still have to be in the right mood. And yes, what Josea saw is one of those films that I think, you know, you don't really pop it in as, you know, comfort food necessarily, but um, I, I could see someone kind of enjoying this, you know, at a at a rewatchability level. Uh, it just, it's not me, though, that, like I said, I, I'm I'm right in between Mike and Don. I didn't love it, I didn't hate it. Yeah, I, I, I mean, the only thing for me, I'll, I'll, the only thing I'll about, say, yeah, and you have to be in the mood. Yeah, uh, I'll say this. My positives extend to its filmmaking qualities because I, I think it's a brilliant film. And if we talked about the best made films of the year, I would actually agree with Mike and say it would be a contender because I, I think it looks amazing. And I think there's a lot of great like technical work here, but I'm, I'm just sick and tired of bleak. I want fun. Uh, I, 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 I've lived through that enough of it. Uh, I'm trying to get out of it and I, I want my fun. And like I said, three out of the four segments work really horror. And the one horror segment we get is one that I'm tired of just being around. So, I mean, it's like what an hour and 55 minutes or like just shy of two hours. Uh, Yeah. I I don't want to go through bleak family drama for two hours anymore. I'm tired of that kind of stuff. Hey, that's valid. Absolutely valid. I dig it. Mike apparently was in the mood, so. <laughs> yeah. I, you know what? And it's funny, too, because now that I'm thinking about it, maybe that's part of the reason I held up on it, because I read the synopsis, saw that it was two hours, and I was like, wow, I got to be in the proper mindset. So maybe maybe that also uh, contributed to me not jumping into it right away. Yeah, same with me. I didn't watch it right away. I I, I think I saw it in November. Like, after after all my October watches, I think I snuck it in there. 
All right. Um, then looks like we're moving on to our eights. So, Venom, what did you pick as your number eight? All right. This pick might be a little controversial, not because it's not horror, though some people still might make that argument, but that's not the argument here. The argument here is just about quality. Um, obviously, you know, over the last few years, we've had a, you know, a resurgence of great new horror directors, guys like Ari Aster, Robert Eggers, um, you know, Ty West, and of course, Jordan Peele. Jordan Peele has been a very divisive filmmaker right now. You know, his first movie comes out, it's hailed a masterpiece, it's brilliant, it wins an Oscar, it's the first movie in over 10 years, uh, excuse me, the first horror movie in over 10 years to win an Oscar. His second movie comes out, which I actually prefer, but I won't get into that here. I just, I find it to be the better horror film, whereas, you know, Get Out is just the better movie. And that brings us to my number eight of 2022. And yes, it is Nope. Um, a nope spoke to me. It's still, you know, maybe as a minority watching Jordan Peele movies, they say a little something different to me than they might to the average Caucasian. You know, I don't know. I'm not trying to toot my own horn here by any stretch of the imagination, but the the concept of spectacle, the concept of, um, you know, kind of being a slave to your masters who are making you, you know, stand in front of the camera and do these awful things. Um, it, it just really brought the movie up for me. This movie actually was not in my top 10 when I started my rewatches. What actually pushed it up to number 10 was uh, watching it with Mrs. Venom. Uh, Mrs. Venom, watching it with me for the first time, she hadn't seen it earlier in the year. Uh, she generally works nights, so I tend to go to the movies by myself. But um, she watched it for the first time with me this week. She thoroughly loved it, and she actually understood the chimp scene. Whereas I hear lots of people talk about, why was that even in there? It doesn't make any sense. It has no bearing on the film. My wife, who I give no horror cred to whatsoever, instantly understood why that scene was in there. God damn it, I love her. Anyway, um, with the absolute joy that this movie brought us and the fact that we were both just riveted, you know, watching this in 4K, and that, you know, that final, the finale, you know, when Jean Jacket finally takes its full true form, it's just a gorgeous film. I, I understand it doesn't work for everybody and that's fine. Um, I'm one of the people who does not like alien films. I, I have never been a big fan of alien films other than the franchise Alien, of course. But other than that, like, you know, Fire in the Sky and, you know, movies about greys and shit like that has just never been my thing ever. Um, even M. Night Shyamalan signs. I remember seeing that in theaters and thinking, meh, that was all right. Like, I didn't think it was anything special, whereas some people praise that as one of his best films. But this movie, because it's not just about this alien, there's so much going on with the farm, the family, um, you know, what Steven Yuen's character is doing over at Jupiter's Claim. Just all of it works so well for me. So, yeah, my number eight is unapologetically nope. <laughs> Go ahead. Um, I, oh, I went just... first the last couple. Of, I, I went okay. first the last couple of times just because I'm I'm next in the order. But yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I was just gonna say. Um, not only will I not argue with that pick, but it might not be the only time it's being picked. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. I, I had, like I said, I, 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 I'm I, one of those guys who loves lists. And I, anytime a podcast or a YouTube video comes out with their top 10 horror films of the year, I, you know, I check it out. 
I am literally the first person that I've seen that has Nope in their top 10. And I honestly thought that, you know, it's lackluster reception when it first came out and maybe people putting Jordan Peele up on a pedestal a little bit too much because of the success, the success of his first two films, you know, but for whatever it's worth, it spoke to me. And even on this rewatch, uh, this is probably what, like the fourth time I've seen it now. I am still riveted. I still love it. And I am still 100% enamored that there is a raining blood scene in here. I fucking love raining blood scenes. Anybody who knows me knows this. And we get a great one in this film. So, yeah, I I, I will die on that hill. I love this movie. It, it didn't fall on my list. It would have... It's not an honorable mention, but it would have fallen close. Like you said, if we would have gone up to about 20, I probably would have included it there. Just a little too long for me. Uh, I I think this probably could have been shortened by maybe five to ten minutes. But um, the, the main thing for me is the fact that out of the three films, I always find that rewatching them raises his, raises them. Where I love, I loved Get Out first the first time, and I liked it even more on rewatches. Whereas I wasn't as big as Us, but I actually like Us more than Get Out on the rewatch because I, I, I've actually put Us over Get Out. Mm-hmm. But this was the one that I, I didn't really like the most on the first viewing, and it even on the second viewing I, I've come up, but it's one where it hasn't made drastic jumps, and. Uh, compared to the other two films that he's done, this is the only, the first time that he, I've, I've done that, where the rewatches have actually made me like the movie more, and I've actually raised my stance on them. Whereas mm-hmm. this one, um, it never really changed where I stood on it. So it, it kind of fell off a mm-hmm. little for that, but I, I, I don't mind it, and I, I still enjoy it, even if, like I said, it could probably deal with maybe 10 minutes cut out of it, but I, I'm not terribly mad at it, but it's just not on my list. No, absolutely. And one of the things I didn't mention in my you know little tiny review is just the, these performances. I, I actually, I think Daniel Kaluuya and uh, Kiki Palmer do spectacular jobs here. Kiki especially, uh, she is fucking, she is the comedic core of this film, but she also knows when to be serious. Uh, the character, I should say, of uh, Emerald Haywood M. Uh, but I still think everyone in this movie did a good job. Steven Yuen, you know, Daniel Kaluuya, everybody, even Donna Mills. It was great to see Donna Mills out of nowhere. Uh, for old guys like me who know who Donna Mills is, that is, it's great to see her. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I fully admit that the movie spoke to me more than the average horror uh, viewer. And, you know, ultimately, that's fine. I, it resonated with me for some reason. I just watched it again last week. It's still, I mean, if anything, it might've gone up a little bit. Um, it's only, you know, it's at number eight, but um, yeah, I, I feel real comfortable with this at number eight. I really, really enjoyed it. All right. Uh, we'll move on over to Don for your number eight. All right. Um, well, I think it's a little time for uh, some family friendly fare. Uh, so this was one that uh, I'm actually kind of glad that uh, came out because we finally have a, uh, a new entry um, entry point for uh, people to uh, introduce kids to films rather than just keep going back to the classics. And uh, that puts my number nine at Spirit Halloween. Um, yes! Or number eight, sorry. Yeah, Spirit Halloween. Uh, I had a lot of fun with this. It, you, you, you know, the kids are 
so much fun to hang out with. There's a great dynamic between them. The, you know, action scenes aren't over the top, but they're still kind of creepy if you're involved in the situation. But it, it's still light enough that it's not, like I said, overly scary. So I, I really appreciate that factor. It, it zips along at a great pace. There's not a lot of downtime. You have some fun storyline setup involving, you know, a lot of the coming of age stuff that you 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 see play out the, you know, a lot of these kids' films. And yeah, overall, I, I just really enjoyed it. Um, I, I don't have too many flaws uh, flaws with it, but uh, there's a lot of other films that I just I liked a little bit more than this one. But uh, number eight for me is uh, Spirit Halloween. Yeah, oh man, I totally agree with you on this one. I love this film. And if I was doing the same formula that you have of only doing Fresh Cuts films, I could conceivably see it somewhere near the bottom of my top 10 at around 9 or 10. I, I just had a really fun time with it. I thought it had some great little monsters in it. Obviously, it's just the prop effects from the store come to life, but they just, you know, some of them looked really cool. There was some legitimate tense scenes in there, considering, you know, it's for younger audiences. Um, yeah. yeah, I absolutely love that movie. I, I hope, honestly, I hope it becomes a franchise. Fuck it. I mean, if it, we, we get Spirit Halloween every single Halloween, right? They come back every Halloween. Why not the movie franchise come back every Halloween? I mean, as long as they can keep the quality up and, you know, maybe get some bigger name directors as years go along, who knows? It could turn into a tradition. But yeah, I, I thoroughly enjoyed the Spirit Halloween film. Yeah. Yeah, I, I thought it was, when they announced this movie, it was like kind of interesting to to ponder like how exactly are you going to center like a whole movie about it? And I think they pulled it off pretty nicely. And I do also agree with the point that like if you're looking to get your kids into horror, I know with my kids, one of the hardest thing to do is to like talk them into watching stuff from when I was a child as opposed to like if there's stuff out there now that's that's centered around like family and kids it's much it's a much easier sell for them so i do appreciate that like we still get movies like this that you can kind of throw on for the whole family and i don't have to tell you know i don't have to uh give them a, yeah, as a much feel like about a, back in my day <laughs> as much fun as it is to you know bring up monster squad and beetlejuice i i think it would probably be an easier sell if you showed them something that they would relate to currently and, you know, maybe an actor or two that they would recognize. I think that would probably help sell it a little bit more rather than just saying, well, I don't know who these people are. This looks old or, you know, that looks like way, mm -hmm. you know, like, like you were saying, like that looks like something from your time period, like using something a little bit more modern and current would probably help. Uh, would probably be a bigger sell than, you know, I mean, you know, God forbid trying to, t you know, get a five-year-old to watch Frankenstein or Dracula or one of the <laughs> Universal films. It's like, you, you know, I, I shudder to think of the parents that would try to do something like that because I, I can't imagine that that would be a fruitful endeavor of any kinds. Mm -hmm. I got a funny feeling Mike has reserved the Megan 4K for his daughters. <laughs> no, I just want to get an actual Megan Dolph. <laughs> oh, hell no. The, that'll be the last you'd ever hear from me. <laughs> hey, well, well, I guess it hasn't been as fits then. Huh? Yeah, you know, he had an Olsen <laughs> twins fetish. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. All right. Looks like we are going to my number eight now. Here's another one that I think originally I thought we would have ended up doing on Fresh Cuts, but... Just another victim of a release schedule. 
Um, and that would be Watcher, and do not confuse it with The Watcher, because there was a movie called The Watcher, but this is the one with uh, Micah Monroe. Um, this is kind of like almost a throwback. It, it, it reminds me of like, you know, early Carpenter, that era of films. Uh, he had that movie, like someone, I think it was called Someone's Watching Me yep. um, in his early career. And to me, this is like an example of, you know, it's kind of a stripped down story, nothing supernatural. It's just straight up like kind of like a stalker uh, type movie, but it's just done so well. Um, it, it's suspenseful. And I think, you know, they kind of update uh it for modern times without doing like the obvious tropes just to tell you it's modern times but just as far as like how the characters interact how mike monroe is uh you know actually trying to go to people to say things are wrong and she's kind of getting like uh gaslit like oh no you're just you're just you know an american in a strange new country and it's it's getting to your head and uh, they do kind of play up for a little while, like, is something happening or is she, you know, just going overboard uh, with signs um, and all that. But I thought it was very effective at, at what at the type of movie is trying to be. And Mike Monroe, I think she's kind of, I, I wouldn't say she's the forgotten about one, but with like other actresses in the genre, other young actresses kind of blowing up. It always seems like there's the ones that kind of... Uh, you know, are kind of st are, are staying on the indie level for a little while longer, as opposed to breaking into like the bigger movies, like a Jenna Ortega or uh, Anna Taylor Joy, who've kind of blown up. But uh, Mike Monroe is kind of there for me. She just hasn't got the blockbusters yet, I guess. Um, but uh, yeah, Watcher very effective, uh, very suspenseful. I like the score, and I like how it turned out. I like how it kind of slowly built built to the third act. And then once they decide to uh, push the gas pedal, it, it it has a good conclusion. Um, have either of you guys seen this one? I have not. I think I watched the other uh, Watcher, the one called The Watcher, and I think it turned me off to movies named Watcher, so I just didn't watch it. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, I don't have much of an excuse. It's just a movie I never got around to, honestly. Now, now, now I know who's watching The Watcher. It's yeah. Venom. <laughs> uh, did you ever see this one, Don? No, it didn't really look like anything. It didn't really sound horror for me. So um, a, a lot of the praises for it, I, I heard, weren't really selling me on it. It sounded more psychological thriller. So I, I never really put much effort into watching it. Uh, maybe I'll get to it at some day for like a Women in Horror Month kind of a thing, because I, I heard it's a women director, right? Uh -huh. Or would you even be aware? Would you even be aware of that? It is a female director? Uh, I, man, I think so. I have to watch, or I have to look. Not like I said, I, I, I don't know if you have that. Up. Like I said, I don't know if you have that kind of information available. But yeah, I, I think I heard that it is a female director, so I'll probably watch it for like a woman in horror month kind of a thing. But um, other than that, I'm, I'm not like really, really hard pressed for it, just because a lot of what I heard about it just wasn't selling it on it being a genre film for me. So, um, uh, like I said, uh, I'll see it then. But uh, at the moment, I haven't. Uh, yes, Watcher Watcher was directed by Chloe Acuna, who we would know as the director of the Ratma segment in VHS 94. <laughs> I fucking All love that segment. Ratma. <laughs> All hell Ratma. All hell Ratma. Well, we could have said that and I probably would have watched it. Jesus Christ. 
I mean, learn your yeah, marketing. That's the, that's the only thing, really. It, it looks like she also did one episode of the Let the Right One In TV series, but I, I have no interest in watching that, so I haven't seen it. <laughs> I mean, Jesus Christ, learn your marketing, people. Say the director of Ratma. I mean, God. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right, then. I guess we're going right into our seven. So, Venom, what do you have at seven? Number seven, this is also one that I haven't seen on a lot of top ten lists, but considering how much of a fan I am of H.P. Lovecraft and all things Lovecraftian, I am a reader, I listen to audiobooks, I am a hardcore Lovecraft fan. This this pick might also be a little controversial since 95% of the film takes place in a dirty roadside bathroom uh, with a glory hole in between the two stalls. So already right off the bat, it doesn't sound like something a lot of people are going to get into. But because this movie spoke about very specific elder gods that somebody like me is already aware of, like the, um, you know, the villain of this uh, film. I, when he said his name, I already knew who it was. And I'm like, holy shit, are we going to see his father? Because for those who don't know, his father is Cthulhu. And the movie I am talking about, of course, is Glorious, which one of the other reasons that I absolutely adore this film is the fact that our elder God is voiced by Mr. J.K. Simmons, who it sounds like he's having so much fun with this role. Obviously he's not seen on screen at all. Um, you know, the, the creature is, but I mean, I mean, JK as a person. Uh, so we're just hearing his voice the whole time. And I guess I'm just a big enough fan of both Lovecraft and JK Simmons that, um, that this movie really, really spoke to me. I absolutely loved every second of this film. This movie is under 80 minutes. I mean, you, you can't complain about length. You can't complain about wasted film time. You know, the story gets right into it. It might be a little slow for some, actually, you know, watching this guy get drunk at a roadside, uh, you know, rest and then passing out and waking up the next morning. But once it gets going, I, I am just so riveted. And the use and, of course, the use of the beautiful pink purple shades that we see in all of the best Lovecraftian films just makes it that much more over the top for me. So, yeah, my number seven directed by Rebecca McKendry is Glorious. I enjoyed this one too. I actually, when I was compiling my my list, it was a movie I kind of, or I, when I wrote this one down, I kind of stared at it like, is this gonna get on there? And it 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 just barely missed my uh, list. But it's a great example of how to do like a, I don't know, it's like a small scale movie with a small cast that feels bigger with bigger implications. And I always mm. feel that's a sometimes that's a tough thing to pull off. Because a lot of times with similar materials or similar stories, they don't really pull off the big feeling that they are trying to. But I thought this one was uh, very successful at that. Yeah, this story, I mean, just the way that we don't find out who our main protagonist truly is and what he's done until the very end. It's just that cherry on top of the amazing Lovecraftian Sunday. So, yeah. I can't say enough good things about this movie. I know I'm in the minority on this one, but yeah, I fucking love this movie. Uh, the last of my honorable mentions, uh, it was uh, number 15 for me. So Nice. Hey. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Next. All right, Don. Yeah, number seven. Okay. Uh, we'll go on to uh, number seven. 
Uh, this was one that I, I could have, uh, again, foreseen going a little higher um, based on a lot of uh, factors that uh, really appealed to me. Uh, it's the longtime genre return for one of my favorite all-time directors. I went with Dark Glasses, Argento's latest epic. I don't know if he's ever going to make another movie, but thank God he did this because at least now he don't have to say he ended his career on Dracula. And <laughs> <laughs> Not the best thing I'm going to say about this one. I love this. Uh, the first two-thirds to this are just prime Argento. Great uh, touches here and there. Great stalking sequences. A fantastic killer. Uh, a fantastic set of kills, actually, I should say. Just prime era mystery that we have uh, involving a lot of the you know various subplots that go on here. Maybe it falls short in the third act, but I, I don't penalize that enough to discredit a lot of the good work that came before it. Uh, you know, yeah, you get a few uh, character moments that are just completely innocuous and stupid that, you know, really aren't all that logical or realistic. And uh, a, a few reveals that aren't necessarily as grand as they um, are revealed to be, but... Yeah, overall, I absolutely love this. And, uh, you know, again, Argento, you know, leaves on a high note rather than leaving on Dracula. So I, I can't really fault it much more for that. I, I want to put it higher, but uh, number seven for me is Dark Glasses. This was a fairly fun movie, but if I remember correctly, I just had a lot of problems with the third act. Um Character decisions, like, I mean, the one off the top of my head that will always sit with me is the fact that this woman is blind. She's in she's in the woods, a place that she's not familiar with. She's blind. She's running away from a serial killer, but she's still yelling like she's still calling out for the boy that was uh, with her. And it's like, are, are you even trying to hide from this killer? Or are you just are you trying to die quicker? So I, I don't know, just. Yeah, and this is an adult woman who I understand only recently lost her sight, so, you know, it's kind of a new thing for her, but uh, that's only one of the multiple issues I have with the film. I did enjoy the film overall. It is a great return for Argento. Uh, a truer statement could not have been made other than what Don just said. I mean, the fact that Argento, his last movie is not Dracula is just, I mean, yes, I mean... If I, I would have accepted him doing a fucking cartoon just so that the last thing he did wasn't Dracula. But now we've got Dark Glasses. Um, I'm not sure if he's still you know, going to continue to work in the genre. Obviously, he's up there in age. But I, if, if this does end up being his final one, uh, I'm going to say bravo. You know, For a man who's been at this for over 50 years, this was still a fairly entertaining film. Agreed. Yeah, yeah I... I... I would consider this a successful comeback because he did kind of tail off like in the last decade or so <laughs> um, with his output. And then like you, you see, Oh, he's making this new movie and you're kind of like, okay, let's see where this goes. But you know, I, I, I enjoyed this one uh, fairly decent. Like I think if we were doing like a top 20, it would be on there somewhere because um, I did have a, some issues with the third act, but I like the setup. I like the characters and I liked, you know, how it was playing out. So I, I still consider it a good pick. And one more time, I don't think I don't remember mentioning this, but Asia and Argento work together without her getting naked. So bravo. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. As they, soon as she shows up, it's like, okay, when's it coming? And it never did. <laughs> <laughs> they resisted the temptation. Bravo. <laughs> All right. 
So going right into my number seven, this is a, a movie I saw. I think it was on Amazon Prime. I saw it actually later in the year after not even really knowing it existed, period. And I, I think I want to credit me discovering this to Scott Crawford of Friday Night Nightmares, if, I, if I'm if i correct. Um, and that would be uh, the South Korean serial killer movie, Midnight. Um, this is kind of like, for people who haven't seen it, I would almost caution you, like, it... I, like, I thought it was a very good movie, but it it might be a little bit of a shock to the palate that I say South Korean serial killer movie, and it's not just over-the-top, like, gory and vicious. Obviously, it deals with a serial killer, so yes, there's deaths in it, yes, there's blood, yes, there's some of the usual stuff, but I thought this was very uh, much more about kind of the characters, um, their relationship dynamics. Uh, you still get the serial killer doing serial killer things. Like I, I still firmly would say it's it's a horror movie. Um, and I love uh, in the third act we get this cool cat and mouse chase like around the city itself, um, kind of leading up to the climax of the movie. Um, but man, I, I I always credit Asian cinema is they there's just something about the way they um, can write characters, character relationships that you're just always sympathizing and you get so emotionally invested um, in whatever they're trying to accomplish or avoid or defeat, handle, all that kind of stuff. Um, And I think my kids are ringing the doorbell. So if, if that's coming up on the microphone, I apologize, but um, yeah, Midnight, uh, I I loved it a lot. Um, I wasn't sure, of course, that it was going to make the list, just because when I saw it, there were still lots of movies to see, but man, um, it's one that I plan on revisiting just for the characters alone. Uh, Did either of you guys get around to seeing Midnight? Yeah, I have a lot of fun. I have a lot of fun with it as well. Um, I, I I do agree. the The general setup to this is fantastic. I love the the you know the the initial encounter that sets everything in motion. Some of the cat and mouse chases are just really uh, intense and kind of a. Uh, you know, under the radar, really good and kind of remind me of, you know, like stalker scenes or like slasher setups from like the early eighties. Um, I, I don't like the third act as much as you seem to. So it kind of lowers it just a touch for me, but yeah, on the whole, it's another really, you know, really solid addition to the genre. South Korea seems to do these things like gangbusters. And it's one of the, the, my favorite things that they do with them when, cause they're not really overly reliant on that forest melodrama that they really seem to employ in a lot of other films. It, it's still here, but it doesn't really lean into it as much as some of the other stuff. So yeah, I, I'm a big fan as well. I did see the movie and I enjoyed a lot of it. It's a very odd movie. I mean, that scene at the police station is so weird. Just how it's shot, how it's set up the stakes involved. It's just such an odd scene that it made me so uncomfortable that I absolutely enjoyed it. But then uh, I'm right there with Don, the third act. I just had too many issues with the third act. I also thought this serial killer was terrible. Like he, he was, he he did have the charisma of a modern serial killer of like, you know, the Ted Bundy type, but 
I, I just his effectiveness I thought was just awful. Like he only successfully kills what one person in the whole movie, and the majority of the movie is just the cat and mouse, which is great. I will happily admit, uh, you know, that I agree with Don on that. All the cat and mouse stuff is awesome. Um, I do enjoy the police station scene, as, as off-putting a scene as it is. I do enjoy it. But yeah, I just had too many issues with the third act. And that ending was just, I don't know. I, I'm not going to say it was a bad ending. It was just really odd. Like, you know, they this this thing that started out as a very private, you know, kind of antagonism between our serial killer and then, you know, our, our two main protagonists, the mother and daughter, and it just turned into something way grander than I feel like it should have um, to kind of keep this more isolated feel to it. Like this is kind of the concern that I have with the new Evil Dead movie, that they're taking it out of the woods and bringing it into a big city and what that could actually do to affect the story and my enjoyment of said story. So, yeah, a, a really good movie. Uh, again, I did rate that one really high, it would probably be in my top 20, 25 if I had one. Um, but just too many issues with the end. Yeah. For me to, uh, and, th and that was one of my final first time 2022 watches. I think that and Ivana were the last first time watches for 2022 that I did. And after that, it was just all rewatches, but yeah, I mean, midnight was definitely gearing towards being a top 10 film, but yeah, that third act just left me a little sour. That's all. Still a good film. Yeah. Um, Okay. So we are on to our number sixes. So Venom, tell us what is at your number six. Isn't it funny how I just said uh, a movie franchise that started out in the woods and then went to a big city uh, and I and my concern on how it's going to look. And then here we are at my number six, which is exactly that. It is a sequel to a film that took place out in the, you know, in, in a very isolated area. And now it takes place right in uh, northern Jakarta. Um, if that's not enough of a giveaway, this is, of course, Joko Arnoir's sequel to the masterpiece that is Satan's Slaves. This is Satan's Slaves Communion. Now, when we first reviewed this, I talked about the little bit of maybe slight disappointment that I had with the film, that it was a little bit of a step back from the original. And upon rewatch, I still believe that. I still believe that this film is a step back from the original. I think the original was like in my top three for its year of release. So this one being at number six is obviously a slight step down. But on rewatching it, and like I said, I literally finished rewatching this today, five minutes before we got on the air, it worked a lot more for me. You know, the characters, the people in that apartment building, it all worked a lot better for me. I remember having issues with the end, maybe not quite understanding what was going on the first couple of times I watched it when we um, reviewed it for Fresh Cuts. But watching it this time, it was like that aha moment where I finally understood everything that was going on. I understood everybody's place in what was going on. And I just... You know, I still have issues with the ending. I will always have issues with the end of this film. I feel I feel like this movie, kind of like what I was just saying with Midnight, whereas Midnight has a grand finish that I don't feel it deserves. Satan's Slaves has a very subdued finish that I don't feel it deserves. I feel like it should be a more grand finale that we get instead of, you know, what we basically get, which, you know, obviously it's still strong enough to be my number six of the year, but 
you know, still a, a little bit of a step down for Joko Arnoir, but, uh, you know, he's still one of my favorite, um, you know, Eastern directors. So I will always look forward to what he releases. So Satan Slaves Communion. Yeah. Um, not as good as the original is not a slight, <laughs> you know, no. generally speaking, because the first one was just so good. Yeah. So totally get it. Um, I can see why it's 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 on the list. Not a bad pick at all. Um, I think very worthy. Yeah, I forgot um, the kills, too. Like the, um, before this rewatch, I had forgotten how good some of the kills are. You know, between the girl in the trash compactor, the kid with the pitchfork, um, obviously the the three girls in the elevator. Like, this movie was a lot bloodier than I remember it. And that's probably part of the reason why it went up a little bit, as I am a little bit of a gore hound. But, um, you know, like I said, the bigger part of it is more just understanding the story more. So, like Dave Z says, rewatches are important. And this is the perfect example because this movie was not in my top ten when I started my rewatches and now here it is at number six. So there you go. All right. My number six is Satan slaves communion. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry to cut you off there, Mike, but uh, yeah, that was uh, the entire reason. Yeah. My uh, number six is Satan slaves as well. Um, Yeah. I, I, I don't know what else I can uh, really add to this one but uh yeah the the atmosphere is just incredible the setup in the building is amazing i love the the middle section of this one where it just spells out this impending doom throughout the building and all of these weird occurrences happening all these accidents and uh, you know the unraveling mystery involving the the backstory to this is just ugh, it's amazing Mm-hmm. Yeah, the finale is a bit underwhelming and it, it kind of holds it down a little but uh yeah uh, uh, fantastic sequel i i love this universe and uh yeah uh, joko leading the indonesian fl- uh genre fair moving forward is uh definitely leaving it in good hands so yeah number six yeah. for me is uh definitely uh number six for me is satan slaves communion yeah and i am very solidly in love with tara basro uh our main girl who plays rini here between the two films i absolutely love her uh, her character decisions, her attitudes, just everything about her. I, I just fucking love her. So, yeah, if uh, if if me and Mrs. Venom don't make it, I'm going to Indonesia, baby. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So my number six is not Satan Slaves, Korean, but <laughs> not because there's anything bad about the movie. Just didn't happen to be my number six. Um. Yeah, so I guess I'm going in a totally different direction with my number six. Uh, This one is... We did cover this one on Fresh Cuts. Uh, This one is... Could be psychological thriller bordering on horror. It's from a director that I think is known for, you know, cinematography, atmosphere, um, and all that kind of stuff. Ambiance, maybe. And in this one, it goes into overdrive at certain points of the movie, for sure. Um, But I do like what we get. I do like what the movie is uh, saying. I like how it's kind of wrapped up in the story. And I thought the conclusion just goes uh, total oddball. But I like that sometimes. Uh, So this one, uh, for number six, it is men. (laughs) It's men. I tell you, every time it's men. 
Um, Men have been enough on a top enough top tens. Let's get some women on here. Yeah. <laughs> sorry, sorry, ladies. It's not woman this time. It's all men. But uh, yeah, I, I like this movie. Um, there's gonna be a movie on my honorable mentions that I, I think handles some similar stuff. But when I was kind of weighing the two movies, uh, I just felt like this one was a better complete package. Um, Alex Garland. I, I, I'm a fan of the type of uh, movies. He does, but not just the stories. I like how he puts them to screen. I just like everything that's encompassing in it. And um, I did, you know, I thought it was an interesting choice to have the the one main male actor kind of play multiple roles. I, I think, you know, once you see what he's going for, I think it was an effective way to to uh, tell the or kind of like convey the message. Um, even goddamn the creepy kind of CGI-ish looking kid version of his face that that shows up <laughs> at one point. I I think that might be like the creepiest looking face, not even on purpose in the whole movie. <laughs> even more so than like the uh, what the the uh, the one showing up in the garden that kind of kicks everything off. But um, yeah, I just thought the movie was really well done. I mean, I think there this definitely is going to be a movie that's not for. Everyone, there's people that probably just hated it, if not just heavily disliked it. But, you know, uh, I'm just not one of those people. I I thought it was really well done. So, yeah, that's my number six. Uh, Any comments on men, guys? Men? The movie movie or the uh, species? No, I I got nothing to say about the species. We're all all pieces of shit. That's fine. Uh, The film, though. This film was in my top ten when I started my rewatches. It was actually at number nine i believe but due to the strength of a couple of other movies and you know some movies just kind of resonating with me a little bit more uh men ended up slipping out but it's still right around 13 14 for me great film beautifully made alex garland is probably the best part of the movie playing all the different characters i absolutely love the fact that he could actually change his personality and literally be different people not just people that, you know, maybe look a little bit different than each other. I mean, they're they're all very different people. Obviously, you know, all his different characters, you know, represent a different aspect of toxic masculinity, blah, blah, blah. We all know about the metaphor here. And, you know, the, the spectacular final scene, which, you know, whether you get it or not, it, it's still a, a wonder to behold. I mean, you know, it might be a little much for some audiences, but, you know, I thoroughly enjoyed it. It, it was around my third watch that I truly kind of started to understand what was happening with that final scene and, and the final form of that thing that we were watching throughout the film. So, yeah, good movie, great movie even, just not quite enough to get to my top ten this year. Never really in contention. It never really spoke to me when we first saw it, so... Okay. All right. Well, that's where we're going to take a break that no one's actually going to hear me saying. So, um, yeah, because I don't uh, I'm trying to think. Just stick a trailer in here or something. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I I might just edit out that we even took a break. I'll figure it out. Um, There you go. Or just play uh, the final countdown by Europe. (laughs) That'll make everyone happy, right? (laughs) Yeah, I guess. Okay. Let me do this before we actually break to do whatever. Uh, let's just – I'm going to say we're going to take a little break. That way I have it there just in case um, we mm-hmm. – in case I do do something like in the middle of the show. So uh, I'll say it in three, two, one. 
All right. Well, that is our 10 through 6. Uh, we're going to take a short break because these episodes of Fresh Cuts, ha- you know, they happen to go longer than what we normally do. So we're going to take a break and come back with our 5 through 2 honorable mentions and our number 1s. So stick around. We will be right back. Yeah. Okay, we are back and we're ready to get into the home stretch with our top five. So let's start with uh, Venom. Give us your number five pick. Well, I started my top ten with a foreign film about a monster, so why not start my top five with a foreign film about a monster? This movie I saw in theaters, it got a very small release in major cities. I'm not sure if it got any kind of wide release, but it did play at a couple of AMCs out here. This film is from Finland, and it is hatching. Uh, I fucking love this movie. I, I Again, I just watched it again last week, and from the idyllic, you know, happy family start to see where this ridiculous family ends up at the end, and what, you know, obviously the inevitable fate of our heroine, Tinia, it, it you know, it, it's an incredibly sad story. But what's funny is that on rewatch, I found it to be less sad and more almost hopeful. I can't really get into that here, obviously, because it would be a form of a spoiler, uh, something that we didn't really talk about when we reviewed it, because I had only seen it once at that time. But finally, I've seen it a couple more times. And I, I look at the ending a little bit differently than I did the first time. And I think based on that, it brought my score up. This film's been in my top 10 the whole year from the moment I saw it. I think it might have been right around two or three for the majority of the year, but um, it it did its overall rating went up with this rewatch, but the overall rating of a few movies that I, that I rewatched went up pretty highly too. So that leaves hatching at number five, great creature, you know, great allegory. The whole brood parasite allegory is spectacular. Even if you don't really get the metaphor of the film, just taking it at face value, it's it's a great creature feature. Um, I, I de- it definitely gave me more than I expected. I did not expect that much creature because um, I had I, I had accidentally seen this trailer. You know, obviously I don't watch trailers for horror films before I see them, but I did accidentally see one for this one, and it still looked pretty good. And I, but I still thought it was going in a completely different direction from where it went. So I, I'm very happy with this movie between its performances. I I mean, you could make the argument that the real villain of this movie is the mother of this family who's got multiple issues. But that's a that's a discussion for another episode. But, yeah, um, solidly at number five, it is hatching. Honorable mention for me. Same. 
Um, I wish I would have had a chance to rewatch it because I have a feeling it could have moved possibly into my list. I just didn't have time. But I remember liking it a lot. I I, I remember appreciating how kind of oddball it was and the mm-hmm. places it went <laughs> um, in the second half of the movie. Um, but yeah, I I think that's a solid choice there for your number five. Yeah, I mean, hey, I love creature features. I love foreign movies. I mean, what else is there to say? It, when it's done this well, I mean, I just can't say enough good things about this. And with this movie, it's a lot of the filmmaking. This this filmmaking is gorgeous. I mean, it's not hard to make this area of Finland look really nice, but I mean, just all the different sets, all the shooting locations just all looked great. Beautiful sound design, um, especially with the egg before it hatched. There's some beautiful sound design work in there. So, yeah, this one, this one's easily a top five for me. So there you go. All right. I'll throw it on over to Don for your number five. All right. So uh, my number five um, at the current time is where my top ten starts. Um, for those, again, that don't remember from earlier, uh, this is just exclusively fresh cuts only, uh, material. So, um, my actual top five, my actual top 10, which will be revealed at a later time, uh, will, uh, more, more than likely, uh, include these following films. Uh, I still haven't, uh, finished that one yet, but I, I lit. I, I do it with I do this the early stuff with these guys so that way I we're not waiting until the end of January because that's when I have to finish all my other projects and stuff so I can finally get time to cram. So uh, these following five will probably be on my overall top ten list, um, but um, as of right now, my number five is Hellbender. Um, yeah, a uh, fantastic entry that uh, I actually saw last year for a festival, and uh, I'm so glad that we got to uh, get a wide release because this was one of uh, my highlights. I-, I love the setup, the family dynamic, which shouldn't be a surprise because it's an actual family. Um, it is, as expected, a lot of fun. Great coming-of-age tale, goes into some really weird places that uh, I'm really all there for. Could have used an extra couple of minutes to, you know, flesh out a finale and uh, end on a stronger note, but uh, I, I don't have much, too many other issues here. Great stuff here uh, from this family. I hope to see more um, in the future, which uh, from their Instagram page, it looks like maybe coming sooner rather than later, but uh, I haven't seen much posted recently, so that makes me think that they're in the final stages of production on their new entry, which I don't remember much about because it's been a while since I've seen them post anything. But yeah, as it stands right now, my number five uh, is Hellbender. This is an honorable mention for me. I thought it was a very solid movie. Uh, The fact that, you know, it's it's a family made movie. Uh, Lots of elements in this that were just cool. I love the I actually like the music in it a lot. Um, I like the story. I like where it went, and I like the conclusion. It's it's a really good example of independent filmmaking on like a small budget. I, I thought for like the resources that they had, that it was a very beautiful looking movie too. Like out in the, the woods and uh, just the scenery and stuff, it was really uh, captured well. I will have more to say at a later date. Well, okay. <laughs> yeah, next Tuesday, come back to me and I'll, I'll tell you about it. 
<laughs> yeah, I was trying to figure out, like, well, what other date uh, will we be finishing this off? But, uh, okay, well, in that case, we'll kick it to me, I guess, for my number five. All right, so to set this up, it is very rare that um, you get a movie that can almost feel like split into two movies, and I'd be completely happy with a full-length uh, movie just based on that half. Um, this... I think this movie has a great setup, and about halfway through it, a new character is introduced, and of course, it it finds its way to be linked to everything we just saw in the first half. Um, and I think it, it it's well done in the way it does it. Um, I think this movie is pretty tense. I think it keeps you on your toes. I think you're not um, expecting what comes, and then right when um, you get one reveal, it pulls the rug from out. Or it pulls the rug out from under you to say, "Okay, but now um, we're gonna bring in this other thing and kind of work our way backwards to uh, link it to what you just saw." Um, so, without any more, I'll just say my number five is Barbarian, and this was probably my a surprise for me, not just being on my list, but how high it was on my list. But you know, when I was going back through movies, I was just like, "Man, this movie was a hell of a lot of fun." Um, it's one that managed to uh, keep me surprised uh, all throughout it. Like, yes, there's there is a point in the movie, like somewhat early on, maybe first act, where you know our main character might make a questionable decision. But other than that, I mean, I think it's a pretty tight story. I like where it goes. I like how it starts as more like almost like a tense kind of thriller. And then once we get our, you know, bigger reveals, it just takes on like an absurd tone and and fun. And uh, you, we have like some some maybe possible attempted uh, character redemption that doesn't go the way like you think it's going to go down that way. Like, oh, so he's maybe misunderstood. No, he's not. And he reveals that he he's not just a misunderstood guy that made a questionable decision. He kind of is that piece of garbage but um all that to say my number five yeah barbarian um i know we've all seen it so you guys have any thoughts on this one venom already gave his thoughts and as i said earlier i will reveal mine at a later time yeah yeah i mean barbarian was my number nine obviously i loved it except for some of those character decisions i actually had a major problem with uh what do you call it um, AJ, uh, Justin Long's character, just, ah, uh, God, I, I, and I, and honestly, it means he did a good job. The fact that I hated him that much means that he's a good actor because I, I can't imagine he's actually like that in real life, but God damn, does Justin Long do a good job playing pieces of shit? <laughs> he has kind of that, that naturally slimeball delivery. Douchey. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> the way, the way he could turn that type of character on where it's like he's not even trying. It, there's something about his delivery, maybe the the pitch in his voice, where even when he's not trying to be like a douchebag, he can he can portray it very well. Um, mm-hmm. And and he can go back and forth too, which is also a skill where he can sound like, oh, maybe maybe I should have some sympathy. Maybe he's misunderstood, and then on a dime, it's like, nope, no, I I, I should have gone with my gut instinct that he's just slimy. Yeah. 
it's funny because I usually do like Justin Long in his slimy roles, you know, stuff like Tusk and Jeepers Creepers. I don't know how much of a douche he was in Jeepers Creepers. He was just a bad brother in that one, I guess. But <clears throat> it's just over the years, the fact that he just plays the same kind of character kind of wears on me after a while. Um, I don't dislike the man necessarily, but I will say his performance took me out of the movie multiple times because, you know, we're trying to think about what's going on in the basement of this house. And then it goes right back to what he did back in L.A. And it's like, I just don't give a fuck. I don't care enough. Um, I know I know Don has been there with certain movies where you just don't care. You don't care about these characters. And if you don't care about the characters, you don't care about the story. In turn, you don't care about the movie. So. Uh, hopefully Justin Long doesn't keep going down this path of potentially ruining movies for me because he's in a lot of movies I enjoy. Um, but man, uh, man, somebody please make him a protagonist for once. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Moving right along to our number four. So Venom, what do you got? All right. Number four, a movie that we did not do on Fresh Cuts because it did have a short theatrical run in October and then ended up getting a delayed VOD release, which, you know, ended up making it not so fresh by the time, you know, it hit a streaming service. So obviously we moved on to other titles. Um, this is one that might be a little controversial as well. I know this is a movie that a lot of people have praised, you know, for obviously it's gore and it's antagonist, but I'm here to say that I actually really did enjoy the story. I really did enjoy um, some of the red herrings that we get as to the potential um, identity of our villain. And of course, I am talking about Art the Clown. My number four film of 2022 is indeed Terrifier 2. Now, going into this, knowing that it was a two hour and 20 minute movie, on top of the fact that I didn't really enjoy Terrifier uh, the first one, all that much. If you guys remember from my review, I basically said it was all just gore for gore's sake. Like there was no true story to that film, no arc, no beginning, middle, end, just a series of murders. This one has a legitimate story. There's characters that you can follow. There are deaths in this movie that you feel bad about. Multiple deaths in this movie where, you know, this this movie isn't just filled with douchebags. Um, to provide us with guilty pleasure kills. No, I mean, we're watching good people getting absolutely decimated by this fucking insane supernatural clown. Um, obviously, what can I say about the gore? The gore is spectacular. The bedroom kill, potentially one of my favorite scenes of the year, uh, a top three at least. I mean, just no single human being deserves that much punishment. And it all looked so great. And I've really come around on Art the Clown. Like I said, I thought he was just kind of meh after, you know, the um, the All Hallows Eve movies and the first Terrifier movie. I'm like, okay, yeah, whatever. But after Terrifier 2, like, I mean, he's basically my villain of the year, easily. He is my horror villain of the year. I absolutely loved, I love the addition of the little girl, uh, his little buddy. I fucking loved her. Um, when, when, a, when a little character like that can just look into a camera and smile and absolutely fucking terrify you, that's a fucking good character. So yeah, all around, I absolutely love Terrifier 2. It did go down a little bit on my rewatch. I actually had it at number two, literally since October, since I saw it. But, you know, I did notice one or two little storytelling issues that maybe bothered me ever so slightly. 
Um, but the movies that ended up passing it, I just feel so strongly about that. I'm very okay with Terrifier 2 at number four. Yeah. Um, there's hard to, hard to argue about this movie. Um, I, I think I'm kind of all right there with you. I, I would have to like sit down and really think about it, but this might be the biggest rebound that a sequels had for me that I was only lukewarm on the original because almost every case it's like the other way around where you really like the original. And even if the sequel's good, like a solid follow-up, it doesn't reach the heights of the original. I mean, obviously we can think of some exceptions, but I think in this case, the fact that the sequel just surpassed the original in almost every way possible now, the elephant in the room is, because we didn't do this on Fresh Cuts, I know Don has some other things to say about it. So, Venom, if you're not, like, opposed to it, do you want to see, uh, or do you want to hear uh, Don? I'm, I'm going to cover uh, I'm gonna cover my ears. I, I, I think the listeners want to hear Don's opinion on it, but I'm going to cover my ears. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know how much he's given, like, I know he hasn't come out and just talked about it, on Fresh Cuts episodes. I can't remember if any of our actual shows he's kind of alluded to uh, his not. I don't even know if it's a disappointment, just straight up hate or what. But if you haven't, uh, listeners, that's kind of what feelers Don has sent out about it to us, at least. So, Don, I'm going to give you the floor because I, if for, if for no other reason than curiosity, tell us what you think about Terry Vire 2. All right, I'm in the disappointment camp. Um, I will say this. uh, This thing needs an editor in the worst ways possible. Wasted time upon wasted time upon wasted time. I mean, good God, half of the first act of this thing can just go straight the trash. Completely unnecessary, useless. You can tell all of this kind of stuff in a fraction of the time. I don't give any crap about what they're doing at school. The family life is completely meaningless. I cannot stand any any part of them at school. That whole thing can just completely That's a director's cut decision if I've ever seen one. The gore, while great, I think is overrated. I think everybody's blowing all of the the, the scenes in the bedroom. Fantastic kill, the rest of it. Not really that memorable. Um, I, I don't have as much love for a lot of the kills. Um, I, I think the execution and the concept of what he's doing kind of overshadows a lot of what the actual execution is. They're not as memorable as everybody thinks they are. And Jesus fucking Christ, all of the survival redemption battles to keep her alive at the end. Jeez, uh, God. <sighs> I don't understand. I've never seen a film keep a girl alive uh, as badly as this one does. I mean, she should have been dead ten times over, and we could have gone on to a film and a fra- gone on to part three in a fraction of the time. Just uh, now, I, I will. I will say there's a lot I I do like. I do love the art mythology here. I I love the exp- the expanding universe that he has. The clown girl that he's with is absolutely, um, I will uh, would agree 100% on that. I, I definitely love that addition to him. 
I absolutely think the portrayal is fantastic. Uh, I, I cannot disagree any further on the villain of the year thing. Uh, the portrayal he has is fantastic. The movements, the you know, the absolutely fantastic delivery that he has, just the the sheer glee and you know, like the unhinged nature of what he's doing in here is just amazing. Like I said, I I just I was hoping for more, and it's fun for what it is. But this to me feels like it's a director's piece, director's cut piece that is badly in need of a wide release cut. Uh, you can hack 30, 40 minutes out of this thing because a two hour and ten minute slasher like this is just padded beyond uh, padded beyond belief. And yeah, I I. I don't know if I place this above the original, which I'm not high on either. Um, I'm kind of like Venom. I, I don't really find the original as good as everybody says it is. But yeah, um, I am firmly in the disappointment camp. Uh, I, I don't outright hate it, and I, I don't have a lot of like vitriol towards it. But uh, the issues that I have here are... More more severe than I expected. Uh, I'll just say that. To each his own, absolutely. I mean, you know, I could sit here for the next twenty minutes and disagree with Don, but it's pretty much pointless. All, all opinions are valid, um, but for whatever it's worth, yeah, um, I had no problem with the runtime—two hours and twenty minutes. I was enthralled for the whole time. Like I said, th- th- this is the whole thing with the story. You'd have to have character development. I feel like the scenes at the school needed to be there because they needed to set up her friends. They needed to set her up a little bit more. I I feel like the scenes at home is building empathy, Um, you know, because I talked about what happened to her mom or not specifically what happened, but just the fact that something happens to her. And I felt bad for her because we, we built up this relationship with her and she was a good mom. Obviously, you know, teenage daughters and their mothers don't always agree on everything. So there's going to be a little bit of strife there, but I mean, for the most part, I was I was thoroughly heartbroken when the mom was taken out. Um, same thing with a couple of other characters in the movie. I, I mean, the movie not being memorable, I, I just can't agree with. I mean, starting from the first kill of the film in the laundromat, which is fucking hysterical, when he kills the security guard in the laundromat, going to the clerk at the Halloween store, you know, the, the girl in the bedroom, the girl at the cemetery... Obviously, the raccoon or possum. I forget if it was a raccoon or a possum, but, you know, that whole disemboweling scene, like for me, it sticks. It's it's in my head. And this will be an absolute purchase once the 4K comes out. I know the Blu-ray is out, but there is a 4K coming. So I'm waiting for that. And uh, yeah, like I said, I for whatever it's worth. I could have stood for more movie. As stupid as that sounds, a two hour and 20 minute slasher. I still could have taken more. <laughs> you know, I was I was so content with the movie so happy even the over-the-top ending which makes zero sense just brought such a smile to my face so yeah we'll just agree to disagree uh, Michael? Yeah. <laughs> uh yeah i was gonna say like that wasn't as harsh i mean disappointment is different than just saying it's horrible or something but um all right uh let's kick I mean, it you over if I gave you any indication of that, then that would be on me. But yeah, it's disappointment more than anything. Yeah, that's understandable because there are people out there that have that similar opinion. And, of course, absolutely. Um, okay, but speaking of opinions, 
Don, give us your uh, number five. Four. Uh, number four. And uh, I, really I wanted to hear your number else. five again. Then five cell bender. So. <laughs> Uh, number four, I don't have much else to add. We've already discussed this already, uh, several times already. It's Barbarian. Um, yeah, Justin uh, Long is a douchebag, and uh, he, his story kind of just uh, jumps into this film without much rhyme or reason, but um, I, I still had a lot of fun with it. Um, I, I think the first two acts were more than enough to uh, save that. Um, the finale is fun, although I... I I do have a, a bit of an issue with uh, some of the, uh, like you said, character decisions, but overall, I, I think there's enough going on here to uh, oversail um, uh, enough of the flaws for me to uh, keep this one at number four. All right. Yeah. Uh, I guess we don't have to say a ton more on it just because it's already been spoken yeah. about, but uh, number four, I mean, that's good praise for it. It's you have the high, it's the highest on yours out of, all three of us. So, uh, okay. Uh, just remember, my list isn't as all-encompassing as yours is. So that's by the true. Time finally, by the time I finally get my uh, full list out, maybe it'll slip down to where you guys have it. So very true. Um, okay, so for my number four, it's a repeat for a movie that uh, was mentioned by one of us, and that would be Jordan Peele's Nope. Oh, now. <laughs> Thank yeah, you, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> so echoing, I, actually, I, I can't remember if Venom brought up this specific thing. For me, I, maybe he did. Maybe I'm just wording it different. I would say the only, like, f- uh, for my opinion, after after watching this um, a second time, the the only real criticism I could see someone loving against this is maybe to them it's not like a pure enough horror movie to their liking. But as far as the quality of the movie. The subtext, the effectiveness, the skill in creating, directing, and writing, I think it's all there along with his other ones. Whether it's like, you know, his, whether you think it's his third best out of the three, that, to me that's fine because all three of his movies have been really good for me. So regardless of where it kind of stacked up against his other ones, that's not so big to me. But, man, I just think Peel, he just has the knack for kind of doing it all in his, in, in his movies. You can, you can watch them and not even think twice about the message he's trying to say or what's going on um, with subtext. And it still will just be an entertaining movie. And to me, that's the best kind where on repeat watches, multiple watches, if you really want to dig into like what he's trying to say, you can do it, but it's really not required. It, at the end of the day, it's still just a really fun movie with a fun story, cool conclusion. I felt it it built out pretty well, and uh, I liked where it went. I liked where it ended up, and I thought it was very creatively done. It, it was just a it's a creative movie, a creative way to tell uh, the story that he did. And you know, I, I feel like every time I'm done with a Jordan Peele movie. The two things I think immediately are, when can I watch it again, and what is he doing next? Um, because, <laughs> you know, it, it it's just one of those things. I, I, I'm interested in his storytelling almost more than anything. I think he tells good stories. So I'm always kind of, like, hyped to see, like, what story is he going to choose uh, to write and, you know, and share next. Um, I think he's that kind of caliber uh, creator at, at this time. And he's 
on the way up. I mean, he's still young in his movie making career. So, you know, I'll, uh, I'll save my thoughts on, uh, you know, any other thoughts on the movie, maybe one day it'll come up for another reason, but, uh, everyone can check out our episode on that if they want more in-depth stuff, but Nope is my number four. So, uh, that said, we will get right into our number threes with Venom. All right. My number three film is the first of two films that did not start in my top 10 when I started my rewatches and are now in my top three. Uh, My biggest issue with this movie was just the lack of kills. Like there's not really a lot of death in this movie. It is solidly a horror film. Um, Big theatrical release that we got in June. And like I said, after watching it the first time for fresh cuts I knew it was good, but I wasn't 100% sure it would be in my top 10. And like I said, it fell off towards the end of the year. But with this rewatch, holy shit, this performance, one of the best antagonist performances I've seen in many, many years. Just just legitimately terrifying. Mask or no mask, even though he's wearing a mask throughout the majority of the movie, he's just an, an intimidating character. You know, even though we and thankfully we don't see him in action with any of his, um, you know, the people that he is uh, kidnapping, grabbing, if you will. And uh, but like I said, on this watch, I just I was so turned on by this performance. The two kids are absolutely stellar. I think the brother and sister, these are these are legitimately transcending the transcendent performances. I fucking love these two. And when we reviewed it the first time, I talked about how, you know, I let a little tear shed out at the end of the film when one was comforting the other, which was the dichotomy of a previous scene in the film where roles were reversed as to who was comforting who. And that, of course, makes my number three film of the year, The Black Phone. Um, Just a great year for Ethan Hawke, by the way, you know, with his villain turn in The Black Phone and his villain turn in the Moon Knight series on Disney Plus. I thought this was an awesome year for Ethan Hawke as a villain. You know, definitely not something I really would have thought of. You know, generally, he's more of a heroic character, at least in the early part of his career. But uh, seeing him now really embracing villainy in film and television makes me incredibly happy because I absolutely love this performance. I mean, if, if, if the Fangoria awards don't at least nominate this man for, you know, best actor in a horror film this year, there's something wrong with the world. This is a great performance, great job by the crids, great story, the use of the black phone, like how the phone itself actually worked and what it did for Finney. Just, it, it all just, came together on this rewatch. You know, I don't even care about the lack of kills. Um, it, it just works. I could watch Finney in that basement using the phone for hours. It, it was just so enthralling, so riveting, and, and we get an incredibly satisfying ending. Maybe a little over the top, maybe a little unbelievable that, you know, Finney as a skinny little 12-year-old can do the things that he did, but... I'll suspend disbelief enough to allow it and say that, yeah, the black phone is my number three of 2022. I will talk about this at a later time. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I mean, I'll say it's, it's not on my list, but I'm, I'm not surprised that it's on your list because I remember our fresh cuts episode, you were quite fond of it. So uh-huh. I kind of expected it to be somewhere on your list. Um, I mean, for me, despite it not being on my list, I still think it's a good movie. Um, 
like I said, if we if we were doing a more expansive list, it would probably fall on there somewhere. I thought Ethan Hawke was great in, in that role. Um, I I haven't rewatched it. All I can think of is like if I had criticisms of it, which I mean, obviously I did because I didn't think of it as highly, but all I, uh, off the top of my head, I think I was just like, Oh, I think some of the events in like these, you know, there was sequences where I thought maybe a little too convenient on way things are playing out, but you know, just, that's just is, is uh semantic stuff as far as like why I thought it was good. And you thought it was great. <laughs> Basically, you know, yep. um, not a bad movie by any means. Um, but yeah, uh, I mean, we don't need to get in depth here, so I'll kick it um, over to Don. What do you got next, Don? All right. My number three has uh, been mentioned already. I went with X. Um, yeah, I absolutely love this. Uh, this was so much fun. I do not understand the criticism at this because I didn't even notice the running time. Um, I was fully invested in what's going on here. Uh, you get a fantastic story with uh, the, the touches of aging, the sexuality that emerges once you become elderly. I absolutely loved the film crew. They were fun. They were enjoyable. I would want to have seen what film they would want to make. Yes, I'm that kind of a perv. I wouldn't have minded. Um, I I had a I had a ton of fun with this. Uh, the kills are amazing. The final half is just an over the top blast. There's so much going on here that I I would love to have spent more time with. But uh, we have the episode uh, in question for that um, for me. So uh, my number three was X. Yep, honorable mention for me. Um, I've already said I think what needs to be said as far as how I felt. It's it's pretty good. It's it's more about the filmmaking for me than the characters. I I'm I'm actually the opposite of Don. I don't find these characters all that compelling. I mean, I used to work in the adult film industry behind the camera, you perverts. Um, but I've known uh-huh. people like this, and they're all sh- they're just really shitty people. And then when I see them portrayed in a movie. It just doesn't do it for me. I know Jenna Ortega is, you know, playing like the, the, the quote unquote good girl. So, you know, you're kind of supposed to get behind her as a character. But even that, you know, considering what she does in the movie to her boyfriend, it just bothered me completely. Um, I did love the kills. Great kills. Great character. I've already said I like Pearl in this one much more than in the prequel. Um, just slightly off by top 10. That's all. It just barely fell off. I think it's like at number 12 right now, something like that, but yeah, still a good film. Great film. Yeah. Um, would it be too on the nose to say Don excellent pick there? No, but it'd be a <laughs> terrible joke. <laughs> um, all right. So, uh, my number three, so I'm just going to say right now, right here, right now, this is going to be a controversial topic, maybe not with the public, but with my co-hosts. But the reason I say that is because I have a good feeling that this movie is also on their list. And because we're already to our top three, I have a good feeling where it's going to be on their list. And I have a feeling that because it's not there on my list, they're going to be like, what the hell's wrong with you? Um, I've been saying that for years. What are you talking about? <laughs> well, this will just be another thing to uh, yeah, you're list, expecting list this off to be a as new a reason. Thing? <laughs> so, you're expecting this to be a new thing? <laughs> So anyways, uh, this is my number three. Uh, 
there's really not much that can be said about it that we didn't say on the episode of Fresh Cuts. This is the first movie in like years that I just blind bought because I was like, I don't want to wait to see it. Um, it eventually did drop on Shutter, but uh, when there was a, a opportunity to go out and grab a 4K. Um, for it, I was like, you know, from everything I'm hearing about this movie, this might be the one to go out and just get early uh, and blind by. And I did, and I don't regret it for a second. I would say the only reason this movie isn't higher and potentially number one on my list is just because when it comes down to, like, kind of personal preference on subgenre stuff, I tend to lean towards the type of movies that I put in my number one and two. But... This movie could very be or could very well be worthy of being number one on list. I've heard it number one on other shows, completely justified. This one, uh, you know, we uh, get some comparisons to Terrifier 2 because of the gore, but you know, I think where Terrifier 2 is almost done in a in a absurdist comedic style with its gore, there is no comedic tone to this one with its gore it, it's vicious it's brutal it's visceral it's disturbing in every way possible but at the same time it's also highly effective um really nothing negative to say if anything man i wish this one was longer <laughs> um but yeah. hey <laughs> my number three is the sadness so i have a feeling you guys are gonna talk about this later so i don't expect much to be said about it other than what i said for now but uh, if you want to say anything, go ahead. But uh, maybe you'll be holding your thoughts for a little bit later. No, I'll say uh, something now. You're an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. No, no. Honestly, this is not the type of movie I thought Mike would really enjoy. I obviously just hearing about it before I even watched a trailer or knew anything about it, just reading little blurps about it online and everything else. I absolutely knew that Don and I were going to be all over this movie. I honestly didn't even think it would be in your top five, Mike. I mean, I know you gave it a good review when we reviewed it, but at least in the time that I've been with you, you know, gore fests weren't always, you know, your kind of thing. And, um, you know, so I honestly thought that this was going to be somewhere near the bottom of your top 10. So the fact that you have it at number three, I'll give you kudos for it. And I'm pretty sure Don and I will reserve our statements till later. I got to save up my uh, energy for that one. So yeah. <laughs> Cool. Uh, yeah, I had a feeling like that uh, that all that was true, what you just said about – Yeah, that's why I was like, you know, I, when I mentioned it at my number three, I don't expect much back and forth yet because it's a good chance that we'll be hearing more about it later. And so, you know, save the thoughts till then. So – Perfectly understandable there. So I guess that uh, gives us a chance just to move right into our twos. So um, this is this should be the opposite of terrible twos, right? This is our great twos. So <laughs> <laughs> Venom, take it away with your number two of the year. All right. Before I get into my number two, I, I wanted to talk a little bit about my track record. Anybody who's listened to me over the years knows that there are two very particular types of movies that end up topping my list every year. Um, the two types are, you know, over the top, gory, you know, just joyously violent, you know, um, blood fests, 
uh, much like VH, uh, VHF, uh, excuse me, uh, VFW in 2020 and The Void in 2017. These are, of course, my number one films of those years. The other film that usually speaks to me is considered more high art, you know, the more the character study, the the, the movie that really makes you think about the dread that you're feeling, stuff like St. Maud last year, Hereditary in 2018, uh, Tigers Are Not Afraid in 2019. So pretty much if you if you look at a list of all of my top 10 since I started um, podcasting, it's always one or the other of those two types of films, you know, the, the thinker and the gore fest. So this year is no different. My number two film, and this is the second movie, um, along with The Black Phone, that was not even in my top ten and just shot up to my top three after watching it. This, my friends, is Hellbender. I fucking love this movie. I love every second of this movie. I, I don't know why I wasn't this high on it the first time we watched it. Um, I do remember kind of talking about the, um, the the music that the girls are playing with their band, also called Hellbender, um, not liking it very much. But on this rewatch, I, I just accepted the fact that this is the music that they create. This is a mother-daughter living out in the woods. It's not like they're going to write Stairway to Heaven, you know. They're, they're going to write these really elementary post-punk kind of songs. And once I accepted that, I really got into this score, this score, and not just the music that Hellbender is playing, but the score music as well. Um, you know, the, the music that's playing when the daughter's performing her first ritual, when she's dressed like Chucky, by the way, if any uh, eagle eyed fans notice that um, just, I love the dichotomy of the first and second half of this film. I love how for the first half of the film, the mom is the antagonist. She's the one holding her daughter back, trying to prevent her from, you know, being a pariah and, you know, having, you know, basically being killed like every other witch, you know, in history. And then in the second half of the film, she's actually we, we start to understand why um, she did this, kept this information from her daughter. And we, we start to see that it's more about self-preservation, which yeah, you might say that's kind of selfish, but at the same time, we're all human beings. We're all mostly concerned with our own self-preservation at times. So the effects, amazing. Um, we, we get one kill where a guy gets dusted Thanos style in here and it's fucking spectacular. Um, we get some cool CGI with the uh, mom and daughter both kind of transforming into their quote unquote true form. Um, these performances, the, the cinematography in this movie is a fucking 10 out of 10. There are shots in this movie that I consider some of the best shots of the year. Um, there's one shot where the mom has her head on her daughter's lap and she's looking straight up and the daughter's kind of looking down at her. The way that that shot is framed is fucking masterful. I absolutely love it. And that's only one of many shots in this movie that are basically works of art. I, this relationship, this mother-daughter relationship, it is so fucking organic, so believable. You can't help but want these two to, to thrive, to succeed. You know, obviously, once we get the ultimate story of how a hellbender reproduces, you know, you start to realize that at least one of them is doomed. But 
just this movie spoke to me in a way that it just did not in February. You know, this came out in February. We reviewed it right away for Fresh Cuts. I did love it. I praised it. Absolutely. I never in a million years would think it would have made my top 10. And here it is at number two. I, I can't say enough good things about this fucking movie. I, I, wow. The, this movie is amazing. 2022 will always be defined by my number one, but this film for me was uh, the high art pinnacle of the year. You know, as beautiful as something like hatching looked, this film is a fucking work of art and I will absolutely die on that hill. This, this movie is not getting the love that I feel it deserves. I'm not going to say underrated because I fucking hate people that use those terms underrated, overrated. I, I can't stand those terms, but I will say that this movie is not getting enough love. It's not getting enough, you know, um, kind of list potential from a lot of podcasters and it's really too bad, but it is great to see that both of my co-hosts have it in their top 10. So that makes me incredibly happy. And yeah, I mean, I could talk about this movie for another hour, but I'm just going to shut up because I know we've already talked about this already. So yeah, my number two is a triumphant hellbender. That's amazing that it's, it's number two. That's awesome. I, I, I I, I just wish I would have had a chance to rewatch it. <laughs> I am I am as surprised as like I said, it was like at around twelve or thirteen when I started my rewatches. But as I'm watching, I think I watched it last Saturday. As I'm watching it, every single scene is so well made. Every single frame is practically a work of art. The score, the effect. I mean, there is nothing I can complain about with this movie. You know, this this would happily have been my number one last year. I mean, I actually like this more than St. Maud. Go figure. Um, but, you know, if it weren't for my number one, just absolutely blowing my fucking mind, uh, Hellbender would be right up there on top. But, yeah, I, I'll shut up for now. Hellbender, number two. All right. Uh, Don, let's um, hear your number two. Yeah, my number two was already mentioned. Uh, this is the Black Phone. Um, yeah, uh, what, uh, what Venom said on this one is uh, just absolutely incredible. Um, I, I'm fully in line with everything he said about it. Amazing central performances um, and incredible setup. I would want more kills, which is a, a, a slight drawback, but uh, the... Yeah, the, the the central setup here is just fantastic. I, I love the dynamics and interplay that take place uh, as everything goes on. The investigation is fantastic. I, I love how everything just plays out and the twist revolving everything that takes place there is just, uh, yeah, it's fantastic. I love all of that. Uh, yeah, uh, for me, number two was uh, the black phone. Yeah, I, I didn't even talk about the twist. An amazing twist. I, I thought that was great, the whole thing with uh, the two houses. I thought that was a, just ingenious. I mean, I, I consider it great because I didn't see it coming in any way, shape, or form. You know what I mean? Like, I didn't even think this movie was I, – I, I figured, you know, the uh, relationship, um, you know, of um, – of the grabber and Max was going to be the big twist of the film. But then they give us that even better one that just, it, it absolutely spoke to me. So yeah, uh, I can't, again, just like with Hellbender, I can't say enough good things about this movie. So yeah, beautiful number two pick. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, I mean, I don't have much to add only because I gave my thoughts when it came up on Venom's list, but yeah, solid, solid flick. 
Um, all right, my number two. Uh, how can I frame this? Because, yeah, um, I, I spoke when I was talking about sadness. I was talking about like the type of movies I kind of flock to. Now, um, you know, I, I tend to like the psychological thrillers that borderline into the horror genre. I kind of like the characters. I've kind of, and maybe it's just getting older, dealing with more people in life. I've kind of started to appreciate a lot more just the idea of uh, like evilness in in human nature as opposed to like monsters or crazy over the top occurrences. I think this movie um, is exemplary of the the actions that uh, people can take. Also, um, you know, psychological warfare. Uh, I think, you know, a big criticism of this movie some, for some people would be like, I don't think, I don't think certain people would act that way, but I, I would disagree. I mean, I don't really want to try to like start a debate about the movie because that's not really what this top 10 shows for. So I will just say that uh, this is one we did not cover on Fresh Cuts. It did go to Shudder, um, but I was pretty thrilled and um, I thought the movie was tense. I I like the back and forth between the characters. I think there's a lot of uh, truth to the dynamic that goes on between these two couples in the movie. Um, get your groans ready because my number two is Speak No Evil. Has anyone seen it besides me? I actually have not, no. Alright, I'm saved at least for one person. <laughs> yeah, I didn't think it was an film. Um... It, it it's okay for what it is. I'm not terribly high on it, but I I just I didn't think it was enough of a horror film. Yeah, and I, I mean I can see that, and I can I can definitely see people saying that about my number one pick too. But um, out, yeah, out of a lot of the films though, I, I I enjoy this one the most. I think the setup is um really good, and I like the interplay. I I just I would want it to go in a more malevolent direction. That's my only issue. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely see where it it seems like if there was one like conflict in the course of making the movie or the story is like, that's kind of a choice they made. Like, do they want to be more grounded? Do they want it to go more malevolent or over the top by the third act? Um, I definitely think this one is more kind of like character study style than the actions themselves. Although, like, by the end of it, some dastardly things do happen. But I, I do get your point on that one. Um, I, I just like the the almost the breakdown and the emasculation of like one of the characters. I just thought it was well done the way it plays out. Um, and yeah, I didn't. It sounds like I really didn't have to justify it because I, I wasn't sure if you guys had seen or what your guys' thoughts were. But um, I've heard some of the criticisms, but I don't even need to get into it because. I didn't really get any pushback on, on the <laughs> show. So, so if the movie ever comes up in the future, for any other reason, we can uh, discuss it further then. But yeah, I really liked it. it is It is still on Shudder, so uh, it's it's out there to be seen if people are interested. So I'll move right along then. Um, so before we get into our number ones, we on this show we like to do our honorable mentions before. So... Um, I don't, we don't, there's no real number in mind. I would just say if you have them written down, 
you know, we don't need to get into every single one from every person, but you can just kind of rattle them off if you want. So, Venom, I'll start with you. What are some of your honorable mentions? Um, some of the ones that we've already discussed would include X. Uh, I thought X was really well done. Um, what Josea saw is like, you know, kind of top 20 for me, not quite right up there. Um, now, of the ones that we have not discussed, and I knew I was going to be the only person to bring this up because when we reviewed this on Fresh Cuts, I absolutely loved it. And you guys were both kind of lukewarm to it, if not slightly on the dislike side. But um, I'm sorry, the Hellraiser remake. I absolutely loved it. Now, I fully understand that if you've never read uh, the Hellbound Heart or any of the side stories that you're going to prefer the original movies. The original movies were gore fest with these cool leather clad demons, you know, tearing people apart. I completely understand. But if you are a, a reader of the novel, if you read the series um, like I have, this movie just really spoke to me. All the elements that they brought back from the book that were not in the original movies. Um, and, and like I said, you still have the original movies. If you're only really into the gore and the cool hell set pieces, then you've got the original movies. But if you're more concerned with the psychology of uh, the box and everything around it, and, and you want a story that's, a, or at least a movie that's a little bit more loyal to the, to the hellbound heart. I absolutely love this Hellraiser movie. Um, this, this movie actually was in my top 10 when I started my rewatches. And it's not necessarily the case that it moved down. It's just that other movies went up on the list, kind of knocking it off. But since there was uh, uh, just a large amount of hate for the movie, I figured this would be one, a decent one to keep off the top 10 and not have to deal with too many, you know, rabid listeners. But for whatever it's worth, I absolutely loved it. I love the story. I actually cared about these characters. I know when we reviewed it, um, my co-host had some issues with the characterizations and you know, their motivations and everything else, and that's fine. Um, but for me, it all worked. I really, really enjoyed it. It's a long-ass movie, but I was still very happy with it. You know, um, I never thought I'd be happy with a two-hour Hellraiser movie, but they gave us one with some cool-ass new Cenobites, the return of my favorite Cenobite, who ends up getting kind of cheesed out at the end, but, you know, whatever, I'll allow it. But yeah, uh, that's one that I, I definitely wanted to mention because I got a feeling I'll be the only one mentioning that. <laughs> I'm actually, Venom, like, I, I'm i actually kind of surprised. I somewhat expected it to be on your top ten list because you were very high on it. Yeah, like and I said, it was. Maybe in, like I said, <laughs> at least like an eight or time it kept on going. I was like, oh, yeah, maybe... I, I don't know if he like forgot or something, but yeah, I was expecting like at least like an eight or a nine on you from from you. Yeah, I, I think that's exactly where it was before I started my rewatches. I think I had it at an at an eight at number eight, and just you know with Hellbender and the Black Phone and Satan Slaves all going up on my rewatches, um, it just you know something had to be lost, and I sure as hell wasn't going to lose Troll. So Hellraiser, it was. <laughs> But yeah, I will I will die on that hill. I fucking love that movie. It, it, it my wife loved it. We watched it together. Um mind you, we saw Hellraiser 2 in theaters as teenagers. Yes, we've been together that long. Um well, we weren't actually like together together back then, but still. Anyway, point is uh I had a great time watching it. It really spoke to me. I've watched it two more times since then and it still works for me. 
I still love the effects. I still love the new Cenobite design. You know, the fact that they're kind of contorting their skin into a form of clothing. I think that works so much better than the, the leather and studs that we got in the eighties. But, you know, ultimately I have love for both the original and the remake almost equally. Honestly, I like, I, I couldn't even tell you which one I would prefer to watch if I wanted to watch a Hellraiser movie. I know that might be sacrilegious to some people, but I don't care. I, I legitimately love that remake. That's it for honorable mentions. Like I said, I don't really have a lot. Um, I usually only have a few on my list. Uh, Men was one. Um, I already said X. Um, oh, uh, my last watch of 2022, Ivana. Um, it's basically the follow-up uh, for the director of Queen of Black Magic, which, which was my number two movie of last year. Uh, Ivana was another movie where I was really on board for throughout, but the third act just kind of bugged me. Like, it actually frustrated me a little bit. So, you know, I couldn't in good conscience put that in my top 10, but that was a late uh, I like, year. I watch. like the that head ripping off action. Oh, the head, oh, the decapitating action. Yeah. And especially because they don't do the same decap twice. Like, sometimes she pulls it off and a little bit of spine comes out. Sometimes she squeezes the head off. It's like, nice. We're getting some variety in our decap. So, yeah, the movie has a lot of great elements, but that third act just rubbed me the wrong way so bad that I couldn't possibly. I mean, it, it wasn't even in my top 15 by the time I finished watching it. Oh, well. That's it for me. All right, Don, do you have any honorable mentions? Yeah, I've got a couple. Um, I would say Studio 666 uh, was an honorable mention for me. Um, Let the Wrong One In, uh, the vampire (laughs) comedy that we did, uh, that one kind of slipped off just at the final minutes. Um, Incantation, uh, just a... I I remember really liking it when we did it. I was probably the highest one, but I, I, I was thinking over it and just uh, a couple of the issues that were brought up over the course of the episode kind of dragged it down a little for me. Um, and then the final one would be uh, the uh, Asylum Cheese Fest Titanic 666. Uh, better ah. than it had any better than it had any right to be. And uh, I had fun with it. So fuck you, Mike. Yep. Mike doesn't know how to have fun. He hates Marvel, <laughs> Disney and the Asylum. How can a human being like that exist? Hey, I don't hate <laughs> yeah. Disney. At least one of those. I mean, come on. At least like one of them. Uh, that's great. <laughs> but right. uh, yeah, that was because yeah. Um, the other one that was mentioned was um, I, I I think we brought it up over the course of the show, but um, yeah, I, I, those were the uh, the other ones that I had left on my list. Okay, so for me, um, way back when I was making my number ten pick, I, I mentioned X. How it's linked to another movie. I mean, it should be obvious. It's Pearl. The the reason Pearl stayed off my list though is because that was more based on the excellent job from Mia Goth more than the movie itself. So I felt it was more appropriate to go with X, which I thought was a more fun movie. Um, the, uh, let's see what else. Orphan First Kill. Uh, yeah. If you have a category for stupid fun that exceeded expectations, I think the 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 best thing about Orphan First Kill was they figured out a way to, I guess, match the twist because going into it, I think that was everyone's main question is like, we know what's up with Esther. How, how do you even get nearly or get near that kind of like reveal? 
Well, they kind of like I wouldn't say it's on the same level, but as far as effective reveals, it was great. And Julia Stiles' character from that point on in the movie, yeah. she was a joy to watch just because of how sinister she was. And like, how the hell can you at any point fathom being so, a little sympathetic for Esther while well, Julia Stiles' character kind of kind of almost had you there? <laughs> um, Bones and all, I really liked um, kind of like a hybrid road you know, road trip movie. Um, man, it had elements that reminded me of Dr. Sleep in some ways. Um, creepy stuff, cannibal related stuff. Um, the long walk. I really liked the main reason that one stayed off my list is because even though it does deal with ghosts, I feel like the ghosts in the movie are kind of very passive. Like they are present they're there at certain points of the movie, but they're not really used to like terrify or scare. Um, it, you know, it's hard to get into too much without spoiling it. As far as just straight up movies, though, I think it is like one of my favorite movies of the year. It's really well done. Um, it's kind of a story of how you know trying to correct the trauma from the past, like as in literally like changing it can lead to just a lifetime of, you know, regret and not being able to move on from it. And, you know, it's kind of like a lesson learning movie in a roundabout way. And I thought it was really well done. Just it's, it's very borderline if it's horror or not. So I left it off my list. Um, what else? Uh, I, I was the one on here that really liked resurrection for Rebecca Hall's, uh, performance but you know i by the time i wrote everything down i just liked my other 10 more and then the last one so there was kind of a this year we there was a trio of movies that i think really wanted to do like the uh kind of like the gen z pov you have the screen five you have bodies 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 but the one i like the most out of that kind of like little emerging subgenre i would say is sissy um and it's on it was on shutter now if i don't know how much i mentioned it on the fresh cuts or just on any show but there was a movie i was anticipating called piggy um and i thought piggy was like pretty good i expected to like it more um and then and then i ended up watching sissy and i feel sissy kind of stole the thunder that i thought i would have for piggy because it deals with a lot of the same issues but in a in some similar ways, but very different ways. And it's one of those movies where like a protagonist kind of teeters a line between turning into an antagonist and the way it walks that line and how things get very morbid in the second half of the movie. I thought it was very effective. And it kind of came out of nowhere because it it was very unassuming in the first half. I wasn't sure where it was going with what it was trying to do, but I ended up really, really liking it. And I thought it was going to end up on like the last portion of my list, but it just got edged out, but I would still really highly recommend it. So I'll, I'll leave my honorable mentions off there. But like I said, a lot of these, I could have seen them as like eight, nine, 10 on my list. They just got edged out um, by what's already there. So I will leave it at that. Yeah, I remember reading a little blurb about that movie, and it just—I had just seen Piggy, and Piggy disappointed me greatly. Um, not in its filmmaking. I mean, it's still Piggy is still a really good movie. It just didn't go where I was hoping it was gonna go. 
you know, I'm a, I'm, I'm a very petty and vindictive horror movie watcher. And the, the ending, I know that the ending is supposed to be uplifting of Piggy, but it was the opposite ending I wanted, and it just bothered me. It ended up messing up a, a perfectly good movie that I was on board for the whole time. So that's probably why I ended up did not watching Sissy, but maybe I'll give it a shot now. Yeah, I went into Sissy very unassuming because I think it sat on Shutter for a while because based on the synopsis, I wasn't necessarily drawn to it as like, oh my God, I need to sit down and watch this. I think it was just one of those days where, hey, I got, I, I need to watch some 2022s. I don't have anything off the top of my head. Let me just throw it on. And it kind of sucked mm-hmm. me in and I, I ended up really liking it. Yep. Cool. All right. Well, that wraps up our honorable mention. So there's only uh, one more thing to do. That's get to our number ones of 2022. I have a feeling... I'm not going to be surprised by what you guys have to say here, but just in case, uh, yeah, I've well, actually saving- there's no requirement for me to be surprised. So yeah, just scratch that ah! actually, but, uh, Venom, I, I mean, I almost feel like I could go to both of you at the same time, but we'll keep, yeah, we'll I think keep you can. our format. <laughs> uh, all right. What's your number, number one? one? My number one of the year, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Uh, oh, wait, wait, wait. <laughs> I sorry. knew it. No, 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 sorry. As I mentioned earlier, there are two types of films that bring me immense joy. Uh, the, the, the gore fest and especially when it's a smart gore fest. Like I said, I, I kind of talked about Terrifier, the original Terrifier, not being as on board, even though it still had some amazing kills. This movie, my number one, was my number one from 10 minutes into my first watch. And I'm not fucking exaggerating. 10 minutes into the first time I'm watching The Sadness, I'm like, how is anything going to top this for me? This is fucking everything I want. This this movie was VFW, but with 10 times the gore and kills and just fun factor that VFW was for me. So... Of course, it is no fucking surprise to anyone. My number one is The Sadness. A movie... I can't watch this movie and not have a fucking smile on my face. The entire film. From the opening credits, I'm just getting giddy with what I'm about to watch. There are fair, There's very few movies in this world that do this to me. Where I'm literally anticipating scenes that are coming up and I'm like jittering. I'm so like, you know filled with anticipation. I've watched this movie over a dozen times now. As Mike mentioned earlier, we kind of jumped on that German 4K release before any of the, well, I had already seen a screener of it uh, that, uh, you know, Don was uh, nice enough to share with me. So I knew that the 4K was going to be bought. Mike obviously bought it sight unseen. And I, I can't not say a good, uh, enough good things about this movie. If it says something bad about me, that literally the most depraved, psychotic, gory, disgusting zombie movie, zombie slash infected movie ever made is my number one movie of the year, so be it. I'm a sick fuck if that's what you want to go with. But nothing this year made me as happy as this movie. And I... It's only twenty. It's only the end of 2022. I don't see any movie topping this for the decade. I, I feel confident saying The Sadness is my number one movie of the 2020s because I cannot fathom a movie that would bring me more joy than this film. I think I would fucking explode if a movie gave me more guilty joy 
than this film. The the sheer elation, the the my heart pumping throughout the whole movie. Watching a woman get skull fucked. I mean, yes, it is it is a depraved film. When I when I first saw the movie poster for it, it literally says on the movie the most depraved, you know, horror uh, zombie movie ever made. My friends, that is not hyperbole in any stretch of the imagination. This is the most fucked up zombie slash infected movie I have ever seen. How they could possibly, I mean, the movie that would top the sadness would get banned in 47 countries. I just don't see how you can do something more gorely joyous. I mean, just, ah, God, I'm getting flustered in my words right now because of how happy this fucking movie makes me. So yeah, by about a thousand miles, my number one of 2022 is the sadness. Um, Don, your counter to that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's sharing uh, the sharing this movie with others and letting them see the depravity full screen is one of the greatest joys I've ever had uh, as not just a person, but as a film reviewer. Um, I, I know Venom said that this is uh, the best film of the decade. Um, I, I, I've said that the second I saw it. Um, I echo those sentiments 1000%. I venture to say that <clears throat> this is uh, the fav- my favorite film I've ever seen since I've been alive. Um, yeah, the 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 sheer amount of joy I had knowing my face hurt from smiling watching this has has been topped on a, a handful of occasions and uh, I, I I I don't know where to go with this I mean Venom said it best a, a, a person gets skull fucked and it's legitimate in this movie I mean I. I one segment in this and I want to bring it up but the the one sequence that I, I've actually gone back and I, I enjoyed more thinking about it is the basketball sequence where <laughs> where a guy is strapped up with barbed wire around his crotch and rammed dick first into a metal pole the hero ends up stopping this whole thing from happening and upon shooing off the attackers reveals that the guy had wanted this the entire time and was pissed off that he couldn't finish. I mean, Jesus Christ, how much more over the top can you get? And, Oh, I'm just flustered as well as you. I mean, the, the subway sequence, I mean, Jesus Christ. Oh, Oh, The businessman, I mean, I know Art the Clown was villain of the year. Businessman is just a damn runner-up. Good God, I mean, talk about a career performance from a no-name individual. I mean, bravo, good sir. Mm -hmm. Uh, Number one, by any measurable yardstick times... (laughs) any measurable yardstick you want to apply to it. Uh, Number one of the decade, number one since I've been alive. (laughs) 
And and we've sat here and kind of talked about the gore and the kills and the depravity, but that's not in and of itself why this movie is number one. This movie is gorgeous. There's a shot in this movie early on when our two protagonists are going to work where literally it's a single shot going sideways and the entire shot tells a story as more elements of the shot are being exposed as the camera continues panning to the right. We see more and more of what's going on. Just that shot is fucking stellar. And, you know, this is from a director who you know, from uh, Rob, who doesn't necessarily have a pedigree that we would expect something like this from. I mean, probably one of the best uh, jumping off a building suicides I've ever seen in my life. Um, Some of the best melting flesh kills I've ever seen in my life. I mean, you know, uh, the prowess of this crew is second to none. Beautiful cinematography, great fucking score. I mean, A movie like The Sadness, obviously, we're going to talk about the gore and the kills more than anything. But don't get it twisted, folks. This is a legitimately well-made film. This isn't gore just for the sake of gore. I will fully admit that the story might be a little thin uh, for some viewers, but ultimately, a lot of zombie movies have thin backstories, so it's not that big a deal. But I was invested with these two characters, with Jim and Kat. I felt bad when certain characters died in this film. There are some haunting ass images in this movie. I mean, the image of a of a baby stroller covered in guts. That I mean, I had to pause that the first time I saw it. It, it fucking it's jarring. And then later in the film, when they show the baby, the the uh, the affected baby, that is a fucking haunting shot. That shot of that baby smiling and looking right at cat at cat. Holy shit. And that's only that's only a couple of the incredibly haunting shots in this film. So, yeah, folks, if you have not seen this movie, if you're one of the few who hasn't seen it or refuses to see it, realize it's not just about the gore. There is some stellar filmmaking at work here. Yeah, It's not Martin Scorsese by any stretch. I understand that. But you do not expect to see something like this when you're going into a gory zombie movie. You know, you're just expecting some good gore, some good kills, blah, blah, blah. But this movie offers up so much more. That is why it's my number one of the year. And, and the gore helps, of course. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we said it on the show. Uh, knows how to deliver gore, but has his head is one of the most dangerous and intriguing characters in the genre. And this guy is shot to the top of my most watched list going forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I am looking very much forward to what he has coming up. And he is of course the writer and director of this film. So it's all on him. So whether you love it or you hate it, it's on Rob, but I <laughs> obviously Don and I both absolutely adore this film. I, I as much as we're sitting here blowing this movie, I still can't put into words how much I love it. I, I, I literally can't. I, I, I would date this movie if it was a girl. I mean, just, I, I can't use enough metaphors to tell you. I'd be scared of that I'd be intrigued. <laughs> exactly. I'd, be scared to, I'd, I'd be scared to make the first move, but I'd let it happen. Right? Yeah, I wouldn't stop it, that's for sure. But like I said, I just, you know... 
again, if it says something maybe negative about Don and myself that we like this particular movie as our number one, so be it. I mean, we unapologetically adore this film. We'll continue to adore it the rest of my life. If it ever does get a, a stateside 4K release, I'm going to buy that too. I mean, when I love a movie this much, I genuinely don't have a problem owning multiple versions of it. And anything I can do to help the filmmakers, too, with their uh, numbers, because, you know, the more the more of the home media that sells, potentially the bigger budget, you know, Rob might get for his next film. So, yeah, uh, I mean, somebody shut me up because I could talk for another two hours about this movie. All right, Mike, you're number one. <laughs> well... It's going to sound anticlimactic because, unfortunately, my number one uh, is missing any skull-fucking or sinister, sinister-infected <laughs> babies. Um, <laughs> so I'm going, like, to the, the, other, uh, the other end of the horror genre. It's a, it's a witch movie. Um, it's one that hasn't been discussed. Um, there's going to be people that might argue that this isn't horror enough to be on a horror list, but I would disagree. Um, I saw this one in theaters, but I had to go to the art house to see it. Uh, it's probably the best looking movie as far as cinematography and just skill at directing goes. This is kind of another character study. And like the subtext in this is like, what does it mean to exist, to be a person? What is it, you know, what do you take from the experiences in life? Basically the setup on this, you have an aging witch, that goes into a village. I think this is, it probably takes place, what, 16th, 17th century, something like that. Uh, but basically an, an aging witch goes into town to steal a baby to do what uh, witches do with babies. Um, <laughs> but the baby's mom wants her life spared, so she makes a deal with the witch to take her instead, uh, save the baby, but she basically in is basically handing over the rights of the baby to the witch to kind of groom to be the next witch, because according to the lore in this movie, um, which I think it can be found in like witch lore out there. Um, basically as a witch, you get like one chance to kind of pass the witch lineage to like an offspring. Even if it's not your biological offspring, it can be like a chosen um, girl. And so uh, basically she, the baby goes to live with the witch until she, I think it's 16. Um, and then it's like, okay, now we, and it's a, we, it's a weird process. Uh, but, um, so most of our movie is spent with, uh, this, uh, teenager kind of growing. Um, there's body swapping, there's some witch rituals, uh, and it's sort of a coming of age story, but not so much for an individual character. It, it's more like a human a human species story mixed with witch stuff in it. Like I said, I I feel so strong about this movie, but at the same time, I understand why this movie is not for everyone. But I just feel it was so well done. Um, it's it's so beautiful to look at. I love what the movie's saying. Um, I love every step of the way in this movie. I just think it's so well crafted. Um, what is her name? Uh, man, I, I can't think of the main lady's name, but she was in, I think she was the main girl from Prometheus. Um, I just can't oh, recall redhead? her name. 
Yeah, the one that does like the uh the self embryo. Uh, abortion, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, wait, what's that? Was that her in this, man? Now it's all man, everything's like a blur at, at this earlier time, but I just think this is a completely gorgeous, beautiful movie in every way. I, I've heard it on, on on some lists, but not a ton. But I don't think a lot of people have seen it either. That's a that's another thing. Um, have I even said the name of it yet? Nope, I'm still waiting. <laughs> it's uh, called "You Won't Be Alone," and yeah, the actress uh, is. Uh, Numi, Numi Rapace or Rapace, what, uh, what the hell else? It, what, I don't know, maybe it was not Prometheus, she was, yeah, no. Yeah, Catherine, Catherine Watson is in Prometheus. Yeah, oh yeah, she was, uh, the one I'm thinking that she was recently in was a Lamb, she was the, yes, the mom in Lamb. Um, yep. But yeah, this, I don't know, I, I, I it's hard to even like bounce off anyone's ideas because I haven't really heard a lot of people talk about it, period. So I don't even know what other people think of it for the most part. It kind of came and went in the art house theater here like within a week or two. And I haven't really seen it or heard from it since. So, I mean, I can understand why people just wouldn't have much to say at all because I don't think it's been seen a lot. But I absolutely loved it. Uh, so different than everything else right now that came out. And uh, I just think some of the imagery in this is just crazy beautiful. And I love what the movie has to say. It, it's totally my type of movie. So it's, like I said, with the sadness being at three, the sadness could have easily been my number one. I think the sadness is that good, too. It's Sometimes it's just kind of personal preference on, like, the style or the kind of movie that your personal preference leans towards. So... That's why this is uh, my number one, and uh, you won't be alone. Loved it. Um, have either of you guys seen it? Nope. Mm, never <laughs> even heard of it. Yep. Not super surprised, but uh, so, yeah, that's that's my number one, and uh, that's our top ten list for 2022. Um, all around, I think, solid list. Uh, we have... Some similar movies, some different ones, not... You know, I, I think it's one of those years where, like, if every show did a top 15, I think a lot of lists would be similar, just because I think it's one of those top-heavy years where it's like you have the ones that everybody liked that a lot of people agree on, and then you have a small handful of, like, differences and, you know, arguments, but it sounds like this is a year where a lot of people saw the stuff they all agree on. And maybe that, that maybe that can be attributed to uh theatrical kind of having a strong year. I mean, because those are the ones that most people tend to all see, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, as strong a year as theatrical had, I think I only had like four theatrical releases in my list. Let me see. Um, three, three theatrical releases. So I don't know for me, I still overall did enjoy going to the theater in 2022. I saw a lot of really good stuff, but only only a couple of the things I saw in theaters really, you know, spoke to me in, in a way that a top 10 film would. So, um, but I don't completely disagree with you now. All right. So what are we most looking forward to in 2023? Any, anything off the top of your head? I mean, Evil Dead is probably the first thing that comes to mind. Um, you know, I'm an old school Evil Dead fan, so... 
Um, and I absolutely adore the remake. So I'm actually kind of holding up some high hopes uh, for Evil Dead Rise. Um, have not seen the trailer yet. I hope to be able to avoid the trailer completely. Um, it's getting harder and harder because it's basically playing in front of every horror movie that's out in theaters right now. But uh, that yeah, would probably I was gonna be the say, first thing. You, you probably had to do some maneuvering to avoid it at the theater. Well, like I said, I, generally what I do is I'll take my Apple AirPods with me. Uh, I'll listen to like the loudest heavy metal I have on my phone and just look down so I don't see the trailer. You know, um, I, it's stupid, I know. But like I said, I've had too many movies ruined for me over the years because of mismarketing. So I will no longer be a victim of mismarketing since I'm not watching trailers. But sometimes, though, that has a negative uh, aspect to it because uh, uh, I just went to see a movie last night that I had never even heard of that was playing at my local AMC uh, called The Devil Conspiracy. Knew nothing about it. Didn't even know it existed. I just happened to, um, I busted out of my poker game a little bit early. I was, I was already in, in, in Burbank right near the theater. I saw that they were playing this horror movie that I've never fucking heard of. Um, and there's a reason I've never heard of it. it Cause if I had seen a trailer for it, I probably wouldn't have gone to see it. It's pretty fucking awful. But anyway, <laughs> um, so, you know, there's pluses and minuses to what not watching trailers, but ultimately, if it's a horror movie, I know I'm going to watch it. Eventually, I'm probably going to watch it. I don't need to know what it's about. I don't need to see the scariest parts in the trailer. And I definitely don't need plot points ruined for me. So, yeah, there it is. <laughs> yeah, can't blame you on that one. Yeah. Uh, Don, anything jump out at you that you're waiting for for this year? Uh, yeah, there's uh, two films that um, I've come aware of that um, I'm really looking forward to. Uh, one is called Mako, which is an Egyptian killer shark movie. Woo! Yeah. Um, and then the other one is called Escape of Shark, which is a Chinese killer shark movie. So <laughs> um, I'm I'm looking forward to uh, that one dropping on a uh, channel that I subscribe to. So I'm looking for that one to come out sooner rather than later. Um, high up on my list I think there's something coming up um, a uh, film that I've never heard any of you guys mention as uh, potentially intriguing but uh, I cannot for the life of me wait to see what this one does because I'm a major fan of what the uh, creators are do have done in the past and that is Winnie the Pooh Blood and Honey <laughs> I uh, I'm a huge fan of the uh, studio's work. Um, I uh, I've seen a lot of their stuff, uh, more so than I think most should probably admit to. And the concept of this one absolutely has me hooked, line and sinker. Um, I think that is going to be uh, one of the more shocking and surprising entries uh, going forward. So hopefully uh, that is as good as it looks um, like Venom. I don't know much about the film because I do not watch trailers have not for decades now. And uh, yeah, the, the idea of that one is just absolutely intriguing and uh, I'm looking forward to that one. Uh, I think it drops early February or uh, what was the least date? Damn. Uh, February 15th. There you go. Yeah, I knew it was like earlier mid-February. So, yeah, um, looking forward to uh, that one when it comes out, as well as my old beloved Killer Shark movies, because I need some films for August. Damn it. I'm running out of shit to watch. 
<laughs> I did also forget to mention a couple. Uh, Infinity Pools getting some pretty big buzz. Um, again, yeah. I haven't watched Brand, or Brandon read anything Cronenberg. about it. Exactly. So, I mean, obviously, we all loved his last movie. Most of us loved his last movie. So, uh, looking forward to that one. Um, uh, one for me, because I am still a fan of the franchise, is Insidious. Insidious 5 um, is, is due to come out in July of this year. Um, this is, and it actually is a true sequel. It's not a prequel. So we're actually going forward in time to see where the Lamberts are now. So, um, Patrick Wilson does come back. Um, so that should be pretty fun. Um, on a lesser scale, the nun two saw 10, um, you know, we're finally I'm, getting I'm, the five nights at Freddy's, uh, the five nights at Freddy's uh, movie is finally coming out this year. I'm ready for Cocaine Bear, I'll tell you that much. Cocaine Bear just looks fun. I'm not even sure how much of a horror movie it's going to turn out to, but it just looks like a great creature run amok movie, so I'm excited. Feature feature. Yeah, exactly. And then one more that I want to mention that I'm sure no one is talking about. It's a movie called Shelby Oaks. Um, The reason that I'm looking forward to this one is that the director of this film is Chris Stuckman. He is a YouTuber who reviews movies. He's been a YouTuber for well over 10 years now. He's actually my favorite uh, movie reviewer on YouTube. Um, He doesn't just do horror. He does everything. Anyway, um, this is his first film. He's actually putting a movie together. Um, There's there's like behind the scenes videos on YouTube right now if you want to see him. And he actually got Keith David to star in his movie. So I'm a huge Keith David fan. Uh, You know, we just saw him recently in Nope, even though it was like for one whole scene. But still, uh, Keith David is awesome to see. Um, so yeah, I, w- I just wanted to get maybe a little bit more exposure to that movie. So yeah, put it on your calendar, Shelby Oaks. I don't know why I'm saying put it on your calendar. Cause I have no idea when it's coming out. It's currently in post-production. Um, but it looks like it's a, it looks like it's basically a cabin in the woods type movie. Um, uh, just looking at the poster. Cause that's exactly what's on the poster, a cabin in the woods. So, <laughs> um, but again, I'm trying to, not read up too much on these movies. So yeah, that's kind of what I'm looking forward to this year. I, I do want to see uh Nick Cage in Renfield, although that will be definitely comedy horror. <laughs> exactly. Um, the, it looks almost, I mean, I, cause that trailer I have seen, I saw it accidentally and that one looks more action than horror. I mean, obviously comedy, comedy is a big element of it, but I don't see any horror in the trailer. I see action. I see Van Helsing style action, you know? So, yeah, it could be. We'll see. <laughs> um, I, I'm looking for now. I don't know if this is if this documentary is going to be done in like the style of a Never Sleep Again or a Crystal Lake Memories, where it's like super long and in depth. But um, Living with Chucky is a documentary on the whole franchise. I just don't know if they're like squeezing it into like you know a 90 minute where they just breeze mm-hmm. through everything. I haven't read enough details to know, but I think it's like if do give it the in-depth treatment it's definitely a franchise that has enough entries that you could go like one by one on each one to like give it that treatment i just don't know if that's the style they're doing it so i'll keep an eye on that one for sure um m night's new one you know the thing about him it's like no matter how many times he disappoints me (laughs) he his style of movie always has the potential to be really good so it's like i can never completely check out on his stuff because he there's just that potential 
and knock at the cabin looks like the type of setup where it's like yeah i'm gonna like where the first act goes it's just what happens after is gonna determine yeah. uh what i think of it because i think his movie even his movies that i think aren't as good i always usually like how they they are set up in the first act they're always intriguing it's just what he does and he, you know they're always going to lead up to like some big twist usually so it's like how that's all handled um we'll see i mean i'm you know i i haven't really liked much that he's done since split and split was just such a shock you know with that um post credit scene that you know mm-hmm. put it in the uh, unbreakable universe so i mean that's like that's one of those movie moments, theater movie moments that I'll never forget. Like literally, I felt like I was the only old ass in the theater who knew what that meant because I was watching it on a Friday night with a bunch of, you know, teens and 20 somethings. And when that final scene occurred, I literally applauded and like started yelling like, yes, fuck yeah. And everybody was turning around looking at me, not understanding the gravity of you know david dunn being in that diner but yeah so the the point of the matter is i haven't really liked a lot that he's done and even before split i wasn't on board for him very much like i I felt like he had kind of a weak run there i hated the visit um oh you didn't like the visit i did like the visit was fucking it was a fucking glorified episode of tales from the dark side i called the (laughs) ending 15 minutes into the movie literally 15 minutes into the movie i'm like they're not who they say they are and that's exactly what fucking happened. And I hate that. I hate when I call the ending of a movie early, especially M. Night Shyamalan, for fuck's sake. I shouldn't be able to predict one of his endings. But the fact that I did, and then the whole movie, like the movie isn't bad, but the whole time I'm watching it, I'm like, if that's the ending, I'm going to be pissed. If that's the ending, I'm going to be pissed. And then that was the fucking ending. <laughs> Same thing with The Village. I fucking hated the village because I knew that ending was coming and that big slap in the face ending like, ha ha, I tricked you. No, fuck you. You made a bad movie and you made me watch it. That's not tricking me. <laughs> so I'm, I'm very tepid on Shyamalan. Uh, I'll give it a shot. I like Batista. So at the very least, uh, he'll entertain me a little bit, but I, I am not holding out much hope for that. I, yeah. I feel like his best days are behind him. The, uh, the only one left that, we haven't mentioned yet um is part three of a trilogy which will be maxine uh, yeah you're looking forward to hey you asked us what movies we're looking forward to <laughs> yeah i mean i'm interested i i mean i really liked x and i liked pearl enough to like want to see what the conclusion of it is well i mean we'll see how how well it turns out but uh i am yeah. looking forward to it that's definitely a movie I probably wouldn't watch if it weren't for Fresh Cuts, but why not? I, I mean, I, again, I love Ty West, so I should watch it, but I'm just so done with these characters. I, I didn't care much about them in X. I cared even less about them in Pearl. I don't think I'm going to give a shit about them in Maxine, but so let's see. <laughs> I, you know, I, I give everything an equal chance, but. You know, if, if this is a trilogy and I hated the first, not hated, but I disliked the first two movies, what is the incentive to watch the third one other than having to review it? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I get, that's fair. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I, obviously we're going to review it, so I'll still watch it. It's not like I'm complaining necessarily. I'm just saying I don't think I'd watch it if it weren't for Fresh Cuts. But, you know, what are you going to do? <laughs> All right, well, that officially closes the door on 2022 for us at Fresh Cuts, so from here on out, we are firmly uh, entrenched with 2023 releases. 
But uh, before we close out this episode completely, let's hear um, from everyone about what uh, new and exciting things are coming in the new year with uh, our new episodes of our shows. So, Venom, I'll start with you. Not much. We we didn't, obviously, with the holidays over the last couple of weeks, we haven't done a whole hell of a lot. But um, latest episode, uh, latest episode of Fresh Cuts, of course, is Megan, our first 2023 episode. Uh, we dropped that last week. Check that out if you haven't seen it yet or haven't listened to it yet. Um, what do we got? Creature Comforts. We have decided on our film. So we know the movie that we're going to be talking about. We just haven't picked a date yet. I'm hoping to get that recorded in the next week or so. Uh, same thing with Crystal Lake Gift Shop. Uh, episode three of Crystal Lake Gift Shop should be out before the end of the month. We already have our guests lined up, so it's just a matter of... Oh, actually, no, we already do have our date. So actually, uh, we're, we're good on that one. So we'll be recording that one at the end of this week. Looking forward to that. Um, what else do we have? Uh, no More Room in Hell, the main show, of course. Episode 49 is still the latest episode of that one preparing for episode 50 as we speak we're going to try to do something special but you know we're just a bunch of dumb podcasters so we might not come up with anything too cool but well let's see uh and then that's it my my guest spot on 12 days of chase miss um for cut to the chase is uh still available it's only been out for a couple of weeks they dropped it after christmas so uh we look at whoever slew auntie rue starring shelly winters from 1972 and that's pretty much it for me, Mike. All right, Don, what do you got? Yeah, um, I have the latest episode of Horror Countdown, where um, I looked at the always controversial and not at all, uh, you know, lighthearted topic of horror remakes. So uh, some fun times were had there. Um I also have um, a couple of guest spots for uh, some upcoming shows that um, are kind of a, uh, you know, I guess on yours, you guessed on mine kind of a thing. So uh, those should be coming out pretty soon. Um, None of them are recorded yet, so I can't really comment on them, but uh, those should be coming out sooner rather than later. And uh, as Venom said, we are still looking for the latest episode of Creature Comforts. So, uh, yeah, that's uh, pretty much it on my end, although um, I think I'm just going to leave the uh, last one to you. So uh, I think we all know what the uh, most recent one is that we all recorded together, but um, I'll leave you with something, Mike. (laughs) Fun little thing for the holidays. I was so drunk, I forgot about that one. (laughs) (laughs) I think we all were. (laughs) Yeah, so... (laughs) So what's, what Don is referring to is we just did a commentary for Friday the 13th. On this past Friday the 13th, we did the final chapter. A bunch of us got together, got inebriated, uh, faded, whatever. Whatever your choice uh, <laughs> is, maybe a combination of them. And uh, just we, we talked about the movie a little bit. But hey, in my experience, sometimes some of the best commentary episodes don't really refer to the movie a lot and really i mean friday the 13th the final chapter i would guess most people that would be listening to that episode have seen that movie enough to where a reference to it every 20 minutes or so every (laughs) is enough to like have the listener know exactly what's going on in the movie anyway um it's just one of those well-known ones that people probably know by heart anyway but that was a hell of a lot of fun and then everything else venom 
mentioned already, we're in the progress of uh, getting uh, scheduled, and we'll be back with all that stuff soon. Um, so it looks like it's going to be another exciting year uh, for <laughs> No More Room and Hell presents everything that we do. So, uh, with that said, though, we're going to get out of here. Uh, fun year, and we're ready to have another one. Thank you, everybody, for listening, and hope to uh, have you all back and listening this year. So, with that, let's say bye to our listeners. Later. I love the sadness. <laughs> yes, and uh, be sure to tell us why we're right, wrong, or somewhere in between with all our lists. Oh, hell yeah, please. <laughs>